It's our NXT War Games and 2019 Survivor Series review show with another special guest on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. A very fun-filled weekend of a show that had a lot of hype. Let me tell you, actually both shows, so to speak, in that uh, we had War Games and Survivor Series, one of the few times a year where WWE pretty much double main events for a weekend when it comes to wrestling. This is the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Boss Ross and the J-Man here again to talk about War Games and Survivor Series before we introduce our guest, our second guest on this show that we're very happy to have on. Hey, man, what's going on, brother? Oh, dude, you know, I'm doing lovely. I cut my hair. I don't know if you noticed. I've been rocking my hat since we've been in the studio. You haven't complimented me. I did notice, and (laughs) and because you have so much of an ego, I decided not to mention it. Feed the ego. Feed the ego. Gosh darn it. No, I'm kidding. There's only only one ego that's going to be fed on this show, and it's mine. Yeah, that's <laughs> as we move on with our lives. No, I'm dude, I'm just I'm doing great. You know, it's uh it's a cold, cold evening over here in the valley. It is. And well uh, for you. Well, I mean it's me. it's yeah. actually pretty normal for me. Yeah, whatever. But you know, I got the I got the flannel on and it's a couple days before Thanksgiving, bro. It's true. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We'll ask our guest as well, and of course we'll end the show with what we are thankful for as uh, the holidays coming up this week. I don't know about you. I am not going shopping on Black Friday. Hell that's no. for sure. I'm sleeping in, man. I'm, I'm getting in all my shopping tomorrow. I'm going to watch some college football on Friday. There you go. Yeah. That should work. Uh, so our Instagram page at the Double Turn Podcast has been getting, well, we've been slowly but surely building it. And so what we've done with that page, of course, the J-Man runs it. What we've been doing is we've been reaching out to uh, other influencers, other podcasters that are in the realm of pro wrestling. And uh, there was one that actually the J-Man brought me on to. Uh, it's called Through the Table, and they've they've been putting out some some very good content. We're very excited to have Gerard on from Through the Table to join us here to discuss War Games and Survivor Series. Gerard, how are you, sir? And thank you so much for joining us on the program. I'm doing really, really good. A cold New York night, but I'm glad to be on. It's a long time coming. Me and our co-host, The Rice Crispy, are both very excited for me to be on your podcast, guys. So thank you. Anytime, dude. Anytime. Gerard and I have been discussing uh, a collaboration between 3T and TDT for about five months now. It's been a long time. Ross knows that I've been trying to work behind the scenes to go ahead and make something happen. It was always tricky to go ahead and try having him call in and things of that nature. So finally, we have been able to go ahead and get this setup stuff. Uh, this well worth stuff. the wait, yeah. guys. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I thank you so much for being on. The good thing about the Through the Table podcast, is he, I've told you this, Ross, on a multitude of occasions, Gerard's Instagram game is strong, first of all. It very much is. It very much is. So shout out to you, Gerard. <laughs> you, you've you got that one, and you've got the uh, I Strong Style con- um, Instagram page, which is awesome. Um, oh, yeah, our meme page. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what's, what's blown my mind, though, is that you've basically been my one of my – go-to sources for news not just wwe related but just njd njpw and aew and all that you have been one of my main sources for like the last five months dude so thank you for that you you're you're killing the game right now so i appreciate it brother that's much appreciated um we we try hard to make sure our content is legit as possible we don't want to put out stuff that's not true and all that so that's really i really appreciate that 
Oh, no, definitely, man. So, well, let's get started, Ross. So, this was a very unique pay-per-view when it came to not only NXT but WWE because Survivor Series decided we're going to add NXT to the mix and make it a Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT show, which some, including myself, and I should have known better because NXT pay-per-views always deliver. I should never shortchange them. <laughs> but I was concerned that... A lot of the emphasis was on Survivor Series outside of maybe the two War Games matches. I know they did the program with Balor, and they did a nice job peppering in the show and making it a good show. But were you at all concerned uh, this weekend that maybe the emphasis was so much on Survivor Series that War Games was going to be affected or that so much was going to be into Survivor Series that maybe it couldn't deliver all that it was supposed to be promising with this tri-branded event? Um, first, I think the mid card kind of suffered on NXT. Like you mentioned, they peppered in Balor and Riddle and stuff, but that kind of felt like it got thrown together last second. Because remember, Riddle was supposed to be on Team NXT in that War Games match. I mean, Team Ciampa. So right. I kind of felt like the mid card kind of suffered a bit. It took kind of the back seat to obviously the run-ins and the Survivor Series buildup, which is understandable. I mean, it is a big four pay per view, but I think the mid card kind of was hurt in this this particular takeover event so i mean just as a quick follow-up did you think uh that going into it with all of the for lack of a better term and i know it's 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 seen as derogatory but a lot of the hot shot angles that they did to close some of the shows they really wanted you to make sure that you were paying attention to NXT, do you think uh, that changed your perspective going into Survivor Series of, well, they're really pushing NXT and Raw and SmackDown are kind of here. What was your perception of that going into uh, Survivor Series? I, I the, My perception was that it was needed. I mean, I think the ratings kind of reflected that as of late in the Wednesday Night War, that NXT kind of needed a, a jump start a little bit because their talent is great. You know, their roster is undeniable in the ring-wise. But when you could put guys who haven't been on a big four card and a big four buildup, to me, I think that elevates guys. Adam Cole, for example, pre-Survivor Series buildup, obviously he had his big fan base. I think he gained more of an audience after the Daniel Bryan stuff and the Rollins match mm-hmm. from the last couple of weeks. And I think he came out looking like a bigger star than he was initially. And I don't, I don't want to get into much into the actual Survivor Series event yet because we haven't touched on it, but there's another talent that came out looking like a big star as well. No, definitely. I wholeheartedly agree. I think I know who you're referring to. I'll hold off on it uh, until we get there. But there was a little bit of a how do I put this, Gerard? Like a little bit of a hiccup on the camera angles at the end of the main event at War Games in Chicago on Saturday night. I'm sure you picked up on it as basically did the entire WWE and NXT universe, how the camera picked up on Britt Baker, who is obviously Adam Cole's girlfriend and also one of the, if not the biggest women's star in the women's division in all elite wrestling right now. How do you think that this is going to play into her backstage politics over at Ollie? I know it's a weird thing to go ahead and talk about, but Mara Ranallo was forced to basically recognize who she was. And apparently, you know, backstage reports were, and I'm pretty sure you reported this as well as your, on your IG page that Triple H um, knew exactly who she was, but the camera person did not. And basically afterwards, Triple H was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. So I just wanted to go ahead and kind of get your thoughts on what you think might be the small repercussions that she might have. 
I hope she doesn't get any repercussions. This is kind of reminiscent. I don't know if you guys remember, like, mid-2000s impact at the Highlanders team, the W on Raw, and then they kind of were at Universal Studios, and they went to the Impact taping, uh-huh. and they were shown on camera, and then they got fired for it. I remember that actually very vividly. That was peak me watching TNA. So Yeah, that was, like, in the, 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 the height of Impact Wrestling. So that was the first thing that came to my mind, that, oh, this is not going to be good for her career path. And I think Triple H kind of did a, a great job, a service to her, by mentioning in that conference call that we referenced that right. I posted on Twitter, not Twitter, but um, our Instagram account. And he did a good job of saying, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an intentional thing. She has a good thing going there. Right. And I don't I don't believe that those guys will be petty and like drop her from it. It's mm-hmm. kind of already acknowledged that yes, that's his girlfriend and yeah. vice versa. I mean, we've seen kind of those things in, in wrestling anyway where it gets toxic like that. I would hope not. Mm-hmm. So what are your guys' takes on that? Do you think she's going to face any repercussions on it? I, I, I don't think so. I think that AEW is more professional than that. And I, I want to give credit to Triple H for keeping it professional and you know acknowledging, hey, listen, that was an accident. We would never, like at no point in time, try and go ahead and like ruin her career path that she's got going on. Because she does have a great thing going on in All Elite right now. Um, so oh, I yeah. would hope that AEW... Because, I mean, listen, everybody knew that she's been dating Adam Cole for forever and a day before she got signed by AEW. So you knew that at some point she'd be at a big NXT takeover like this because she wants to support her man. Just like if Adam Cole's ever not busy, he might be at an AEW pay-per-view. Now, here's here's one thing I want to piggyback up on because I remember seeing it, but I don't remember. I'm guessing she was sitting front row. Close to it. Okay. So when you sit front row you know that cameras are going to pick up a lot of things in the front row that they may not pick up further back. True, but to, to go ahead and kind of back her up on that, apparently what the camera guy was trying to do was, you know, he was trying to go ahead and get a shot of the most concerned faces in the crowd, right? Right. You know, because obviously, how far how far did they fall? It was a 15-foot, 20-foot drop that Chompa, right? Mm-hmm. Did. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, so uh, apparently he was trying to go ahead and get the most concerned face. I don't know exactly where she may have been sitting, though, but usually a loved one of somebody sits closer to the ring. Okay, let's put it... Okay, I'll just, I'll just use this as an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say... Renee Young was caught on television at an AEW event. Right. There would be repercussions for that. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's warranted. I'm not saying I'm saying that's the way it is. True. I mean, oh, I'm fair. Sure it would be a fine or something. If, I don't know if they would go drastic due to how like prevalent social media is now yeah. in this era. Right. But I think there would be some sort of like backstage talking to and like yeah, you have to pay a fine. Yeah, and okay. And that's true. I, Renee Young is also in a different position than Britt Baker. I understand is. that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that for instance, if she would have been there during the Moxley Omega match at, at the, the last pay-per-view and they showed a picture of her in the crowd being concerned that Moxley took a bad bump, Vince would throw a fit. He would. Yeah. I'm not saying oh, it's yeah. fair. I'm not saying it's 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 apples and oranges. What I'm saying is that I get that each situation's a little bit different. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you're going to penalize one person, then I would think you would have to penalize just about everybody. Yeah. That's all. I agree. I think she might get a talking to, I don't, but I don't expect like a drop on the card or anything like Fair. that. Perf- oh, no, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think it would go that far. If anything, it might have given them free pr- her free press also for her being shown on camera. Yeah, that's true. So, since that's what WWE like needs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Gerard. I just, I don't know, it's one of those weird things. It's kind of, like you mentioned, like it'll set a precedent. Like if they do 
decide to, you know, punish her, just give her a slap on the wrist or, you know, make it like it's not a big deal. It'll set the precedent for the rest of their roster going forward if they appear at an event that's not an AEW sanctioned event or an affiliate event. So I think it'd be, it's very interesting to see where that goes on that regard, too. Right. That's a good point. We have Gerard from Through the Table joining us here on the Double Turn Podcast. Let's actually dive into some of these uh, events here at the pay-per-view. We don't have to go match by match, obviously, because there are some things that I know that all three of us want to talk about, but I kind of want to use this as a launching point. They did a very big angle at the beginning of NXT War Games in that uh, Mia Yim, of course, was taken out of the match for a legitimate broken nose, or at least that's what I was... That's what I was told, um, is that she was taken out of the match. They then put Dakota Kai in the match. Uh, and then, of course, she did the big angle and had the turn. Here's here's something that, that I personally want to launch off on when it comes to this. You had Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae beat four of your top heels, and you just had a major heel turn of somebody that hasn't been back for that long. So now you have... Basically, this huge heel factory for these two baby faces, and you have two baby faces overcoming the odds. And I understand the point of it was to get Rhea Ripley over. I understand LeRae gets over, too. And, of course, that was the theme of the weekend, was to get Rhea Ripley over. Could they have done something different where it wasn't four-on-two the whole match, and now I'm supposed to believe that four of the best heels in that company couldn't beat two baby faces? Yeah, I mean, that's um, a good point. I expected this turn to happen. I think I kind of figured it during the NXT programming in the weeks before where they kind of took her off the team. I kind of feel like something was brewing there. And my predictions, I kind of thought that she would um, turn after she would be the one to interfere in the match, not as part of the team. But once they added her on, I kind of expected it to be during. Like, while they're all in war games, I picked the heels to win this match. That's why I was kind of shocked about it and I, I it did get Rhea Ripley over so I, I see why they did it but I think it kind of hurt their heels as well like you mentioned I think not as much Shayna Baszler because Shayna's kind of already built up this reputation I think it kind of hurt the other three uh, more so than her yeah no dude I'm not gonna lie to you to me it made Shirai and um Belair and uh Kaylee Ray, Ray. Mm-hmm. look like absolute doo-doo and I have to mention that because Okay, Kaylee Ray is the NXT UK Women's Champion. That's a big deal. And then you've got Bianca Belair, who is probably one of, one of, if not the most athletic woman in all of NXT right now. But let's be honest, she's right now a mid-carder. She but is go a mid-carder, on. but I'm just talking about like from a wrestling standpoint, mm-hmm. she's incredibly athletic. Sure. And then you've got Io Shirai, who when Baszler gets a moved away from NXT, Io Shirai is the diamond in the, it, not even the diamond in the rough, the diamond of that entire women's division in NXT. And you make her look not even human. You made her look like just, eh. Rhea Ripley's just better than you. I'm like, no, she's not. So I guess I guess that's the whole thing is it's back to, yes, I get getting Rhea Ripley over, but at the expense, and and, and you're absolutely right, it didn't affect Baszler because Baszler kind of walked to the ring. She was over. In fact, I was expecting her to be like, no, nah, I'm not going to even get into the match. Like, I actually expected that at one point. She was like, I'm confident. Right. I just, I fear that with Dakota Kai turning heel, because that's the last thing that that NXT women's division needs is another heel, but they just gave us one. So now, I'm, I mean, realistically, unless Tony Storm is coming over full time to be a babyface, 
That division is still full of heels, and that's a problem not only in in this instance, that's a problem across WWE is we have too many heels and too many quote-unquote cool heels that are getting cheered. Is that is that fair to assess that, Gerard? Um, I'm actually 100% with that statement in regards to the t- the roster makeup. They made, WWE does an excellent job on making heels cool. That's kind of their specialty. Becky Lynch is the best example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shield is another example of that. They, you kind of had to force the turn of face. And then when you actually turn them face, they kind of lose value. I mean, and that there it is really bad at building um, compelling faces in the company. I agree with Jay about the whole Io Shirai. I'm high on Io Shirai. Fun fact about her is in Japan, they have the big newsletter magazine there, <clears throat> Weekly Sports. She won Best Wrestler of the Year against the men in New Japan. So I do she has a very that. good background. Yeah. So that's something I was kind of, I like that they gave her a highlight with the moonsault, but the whole match, it's Kylie Ray, Belair, and Shirai laying it in on the two baby faces. And it just made them look weird because their offense didn't really get nothing done because, you know, Rhea Ripley supermaned the whole thing, essentially. I mentioned this, and, and perhaps it's not a fair assessment, but I essentially said that Rhea Ripley this weekend, because they did a very similar angle at Survivor Series, Rhea Ripley pulled a Hulk Hogan this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they they make her they made her look like a million bucks. Personally, I I think she's good. I think she's a little green still for my liking. I I think she could work more as a heel. I don't I'm not, I'm not really compelled by her as a babyface yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I I kind of question some of the booking in that Survivor Series match as well, which we'll get to. We will. Yeah. So that's why I mean, personally, I still liked the match. The War Games match with the women was very entertaining to me. I actually, it was a hot take on our review that we recorded. I kind of said that I actually enjoyed it more than the men's match. I think I think most Personally. people would I think most people would agree on that statement there, Gerard. I think that the women's war games match was probably the highlight of the entire weekend, and that's saying a lot because there was a lot of highlights on both Survivor Series and War Games. That's a hot take. The whole weekend, that's what you took away from this weekend was that match. <laughs> hey, that NXT women's war games match was really strong, bro. I'm it not saying strong. you're being, you know, hyperbole here. I'm yeah. just saying that that's that's a strong statement saying that that was a highlight of you of the whole weekend hi- given all the wrestling we saw. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. highlight yeah no no that's 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 totally fair you know but one thing i want to go ahead and just respond to you on gerard and we got gerard here from through the table podcast with us here this evening you you think that um re ripley is a little bit green um but i i guess in response to that is who else would they have had come up to NXT to challenge Shayna Baszler because Shayna Baszler has run roughshod over this entire NXT women's division. As you know, she's been NXT women's champion since last October. It's been a full plus year. So I guess they really didn't have a choice to bring her up to challenge Shayna Baszler. Am I right in that assessment? Yeah, I mean, the only other person that she hasn't beaten on the NXT roster is um, Tony Storm, she's not full-time there. Yeah. I mean, when, when I say she's green, I mean... She's, yeah, she's green, but sometimes, in my opinion, when a wrestler is green, sometimes you just got to let them sink or swim. You, you put them in the biggest spots, and that's how they really learn. That's true, man. John Cena is the perfect example of that. You're right. Yeah, so that's why, like, she and, – and she shined through. She's one of the highlights of the, the weekend and the entire build-up to the Survivor Series and War Games. She's been the highlight on sometimes Raw, SmackDown, you know, 
I mean, she even had a win over Charlotte and Sasha Banks to SmackDown before War Games. That's true. She pinned Charlotte on. Too. Yeah, she pinned Charlotte on Friday Night SmackDown. That match was also very good, mind you. Um, yes, yeah, so she's done a good job. I, I think she has a little bit more to go, mm-hmm. but she might be the one to dethrone um, Shayna Baszler. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I, maybe I take over Portland. Maybe you know when you when you book somebody that not only overcomes the odds in the War Games match but overcomes the odds in the Survivor Series match, if they do not put the NXT women's title on her, I will be as upset as when Dolph Ziggler was the survivor of that Survivor Series and they did absolutely nothing with him. Jack Squat. That's something that still haunts me. (laughs) At that point, and even before that, I was a big Ziggler mark. So for that, man, oh. That's just like bad memories. That just opened up a wound. Uh, I I apologize, but you know what? I mean, that's that's the feeling I'm gonna get if you push somebody this fast, no, this high. Yeah. You better just go through with it. And by the way, there have been several instances where guys have been pushed to the moon, and it's like, okay, at least they tried it. Like for instance, I'm not a big Jack Swagger WWE guy, but at least they're like, you know what? We're gonna try. I always praise the fact that they tried with Jinder Mahal. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not even saying it was the greatest thing ever. What I'm saying is you go through with it, try it, and just see where it goes. So I hope they do that with Rhea Ripley. I want to move to the men's match on War Games. The first thing I want to point out, first of all, I thought it was a great match. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it was the best match at War Games. That's, that's of course, my opinion. The other two matches were very good, that being the triple threat, Dunn, Priest, and Dane. And then, of course, Balor and Riddle had a very entertaining match. Two things. So the Undisputed Era are essentially the horsemen of this match when it comes to NXT because they've been in every single one of them. So Yeah, that's a great comparison. So now I'm not saying they are the horsemen. I'm saying they're in that spot of, oh, it's War Games time, Undisputed Era is in the match because they haven't been called up to the main roster yet. So you put this team together. And again, I'm a firm believer in what I'm about to say. When you put a team, like for instance, in a tag team match, I always believe that a team should beat two individuals. Regardless of who the individuals are, nine times out of 10, the team should beat them because they're a team. So in most cases, I would think the team of Undisputed Era versus the four individuals should inherently have the advantage, and they're the heels, so they inherently have the advantage in the match as it is. This match went almost 40 minutes. 40. And mind you, I thought it was the best match on the show. I still think it went too long. Now, I get it. It's war games. It's timed. You got to have the ebbs and flows of the baby faces getting, getting their revenge after the heels get their heat. You have the comebacks. You have that nice little dichotomy. Do these matches need to be shorter or am I just too old school and I, or, or, or maybe I'm too new school because I want matches to be shorter instead of longer. Is it unfair of me to, to actually criticize a match going too long? Because remember, there was a uh, there was a Survivor Series match. In fact, I think it was the one I was just talking about. It went like an hour. Uh, actually, that one went at 14, went like 45. It was the 16 match, which was... It went like an hour. That went like 56 minutes. Okay. That, that was the night that Goldberg beat Lesnar. Now, I'm not saying it should have gone an hour. I'm saying that match could have had everything in it and it could have gone 25 minutes, had the exact same finish, everything fast-paced, you have all eight guys in there, 
am I off base to want it to be that much shorter? Um, I don't, I don't think so. My my problem with this match is that they've been in every War Games match, and they've kind of repeated the same spots in every War Games match. I mean, the, the table high spot has been like the foundation for the last three, if I recall. It has. I think I think Cole put someone through it, or um, went through a table on the last War Games before this, if I recall. I mean, my thing is I, I like the concept. I think they I think they are getting a little predictable with the concept itself. I, I agree with you. I think um, Undisputed probably should have won. Originally, I thought, and Rice Krispie thought, that they should have done, if you're going to have the baby faces win, they should have done all the titles on the line. Mm. Oh, that would have been like, interesting. If, mm. Yeah, so like if, if they're going to give the baby faces a win over your biggest faction in the company, because that's really the only big faction of it in New Day, I believe, at this point. I would They're make the case that, that, you, that the UE is bigger than the New Day at this point well, in time. Well, and, and, and let's be fair, the other big group running around in WWE is the OC. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the greatest yeah. tag team in the world, right? <laughs> 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 no, uh, okay, so here's, here's an idea, and I know this is going to be unpopular, but I have to reference a company that is dead. World Championship Wrestling, when they did War Games, they had a roof, and they used the cage... For a lot of the offense, they didn't have the high-flying stuff from way up top. And I know, well, Ross, that takes away some offense and some high-flying stuff. Yeah, it does. But it also kind of grounds everybody because War Games is supposed to be a war of attrition. And I think maybe if they do the top of the cage, that might bring some different looks to the match and maybe switch it. I'm not saying do it every year. I'm saying try it and see if it works. I, I mean, I, I like that idea, and it's more traditional also, which is something I think is important, to keep that tradition of what War Games was. And even with the with the cell closed, if they close it and put the roof on top of it, you could still get some big high spots off the top of it still. Absolutely. You, know, you can do something where the guy gets goes outside of it mm-hmm. or hanging off the top. Yeah, John Morrison, like, when he did yeah. that at Elimination Chamber a few years back, for sure, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking about, something like that. So... I just feel and I like the weapon spot, but does it have to be a table every time for this for a specific match? And that's my that was my one complaint. I kind of felt like I seen it all with with at least we're undisputed in this match. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, man. Because honestly, as good as the War Games match was before the men, I don't think that it was undisputed era's best War Games match. No, I think that it, I think that you could make the case it was either last year or the first one. And by the way, uh, I like the first one. Yeah, first one yes. fantastic. The first one I, I think is probably my favorite too. Didn't the women bring in chairs and uh, was it was it kendo sticks they brought in too? Yeah, I think kendo sticks, handcuffs. Oh, that's mean, right. Not- the you know, and that I, was more traditional. Also, it was more of a traditional war games match. There, there wasn't really like a spotty move other than the Eo Shirai moonsault, and they built it up nicely to that moment too. No, and by the way, the old school war games was submission or you give up. There was no pins. It's true. Now I realize that we're putting more people in the match, and again, that's more of an old school kind of thing. But man, I remember, and again, I know I'm going old school here, but I watched that war games match where Kurt Hennig joined the NWO and they handcuffed a bunch of people. It was just a cool visual of having that and it just being different. It's like, oh my gosh, WCW's in trouble because the NWO had another defector and they're handcuffing all these guys to the chain and they're beating them up. It's it's just, again, as I said before, it's a war 
And sometimes it's like, well, let's have a war with a bunch of spots instead of a war that's just like, wow, all eight of these competitors are going to need like two weeks off yeah, just uh, to recover. Well, first of all, Adam Cole needs like a like six weeks off. The dude went through hell this oh, week. Yeah. It's insanity. Actually, he's a workhorse right he's now. He's a workhorse right now. He's been, he's, he might be the best wrestler on the planet at this moment in time. Like right now, not Ooh. saying like, not saying that he's. There's another hot take for you. Not saying that he's AJ Styles and he's taking over the best restaurant in the in the world, the mantra and stuff like that, or he's better than K than Kenny Omega, but right at this moment, he might be the hottest wrestler on earth. Gerard, your thoughts? I mean, I think Okada is the best in the world, but I think Adam Cole has elevated his game. I mean, we're just saying something because he's kind of elevated the brand. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of taken NXT. As the he's considered like let's say the ace of NXT right now, he's elevated it to a national platform now, as opposed to this a streaming platform. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right because John. I don't see Johnny Gargano with the NXT title. Just you're yeah, so absolutely correct. Look at all the undisputed brand and all the merchandise they have. It's a big deal. So that's why it feels like the War Games is their signature match. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the Hardys and. Edge and Christian and the Dudleys with TLC. And Triple H with Hell in a Cell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like they're synonymous with this match type. So it's, you kind of have to have them in there. I, I think two things I would have done made it a little more interesting. All the titles would have been on the line. And right. two, it would have been elimination-style rules And once you get inside board games. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Gerard, I want to go ahead and bring this up. We got Gerard with us from Through the Table Podcast. Let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room uh, when it came to the main event War Games match. And that was Ciampa's partner, Team Ciampa's partner, I should say. And the homie, the wonderful human that is, Kevin Owens. And not just Kevin Owens, old Old school school Kevin Kevin Owens. Owens. Yes. Yeah, NXT Kevin Owens. NXT Kevin Owens, fight Owens, fight. The prize fighter. Let me ask you a question. Because I love Kevin Owens. Ross loves Kevin Owens. And I'm sure that you love Kevin Owens as well. Now, he got a major pop in Chicago on Saturday night. However, were you underwhelmed when it ended up being Kevin Owens? Mm, not necessarily. I kind of My two predictions for who I thought it was going to be was either uh, Velveteen Dream or Kushida. Okay. I was just thinking more traditional NXT names. So when, I, when, when they had a main roster name, I was like, okay, that's interesting. I was more over, underwhelmed when he didn't hit the package pile driver. <laughs> that's oh, that's totally fair, actually. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's a great assessment. For sure he should have hit that. But he would have killed, Ke- <laughs> killed Cole, though. Like, Adam Cole would be dead still. Like, Brittany Baker would be picking up his head off the freaking steel. <laughs> It'd have been insane. He definitely have needed a dentist appointment after that. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, actually, you know what, though? If you guys I- didn't know, if you guys didn't know, she's a dentist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yo, I'm well aware of that. That's right. Uh, she would have gone ahead and fixed them right up. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I, I love Kevin Owens being there. I did. But, it, and, and you know what I loved about it, though, Gerard and Ross? I told you this when we discussed it, of course, on Sunday, was it threw a wrench in the five-on-five-on-five at Survivor Series. Because then all of a sudden, That's like, what I loved about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, and I, I, now, of course, they didn't really do anything about it. They did more about it on Monday. But... I was like, what is, hold on, so KO is here, now he's hanging out with Ciampa and buddies with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, but by the way, 
Dominic Dijakovic. Everybody's talking about Keith Lee this weekend. Give a shout out to Dominic Dijakovic because the man showed the hell up. The man did fantastic at War Games. I don't care what anybody else says. He was amazing. But I was oh, like, yeah. oh. KO, uh, you know, what does this mean? Like, is he not, is he going to defect from Team Raw? Is he going to go ahead and move over to NXT? Like, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Because obviously I know it got all of us hyped up, but what were your questions? I liked it. I mean, I'm all about, since if NXT is going to be a third brand and it's branching off from what it was of being a developmental, when you have a main roster pay-per-view like this and it connects to each brand, I love, it's just like any other TV show. Like, if you're watching two TV shows in the same universe and they both connect and the stories intertwine, mm-hmm. it makes for a better story. So, like, if I'm watching this, I'm, I watch Survivor Season, I'm like, okay, it's Owen's going to turn now or, or is someone going to turn on Owen's thinking he's going to turn on NXT on Team Raw. It added intrigue to Survivor Series. It added another layer to that five-on-five match, which I think was needed because the more layers you got to with a big Survivor Series build, the better. I mean, look, you had the the Team Cena versus Authority one. You had um, the Invasion back in the day at WCW, which ended that Survivor Series, I believe. Yeah. So the more intrigue and layers, the better. That's a good point. I think that's the reason why everybody loved the 2016 Survivor Series match, too, because even though Ambrose was on Team SmackDown and Rollins and Reigns were on Raw, you still got the Shield connection because you were like, well, what happens is is Ambrose going to lose his temper on AJ Styles, and that's exactly what happened, and then they did the triple, thir- the triple powerbomb to AJ that year. I'm still upset that we never got Braun Strowman versus Triple H. That's, that's I'm a thing still upset by that. Home. Probably because Triple H didn't want to put him over. <laughs> that, that probably has to be it because I, they wouldn't just tease that for no reason it's like oh that's a good point nothing. and by the way i'm also convinced that triple h was not on team nxt for the survivor series because they knew the men's team was losing wow oh, that's a hot take I, I kind of expected him in there because he wanted he wanted to showcase his talents more so than him because if triple h is in the match you know he's got to get all his shit in that's what i mean like, yeah. that's what yeah. i mean that's that's a that's a good point. Although, by the way, can I just and I told you this, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to Braun Strowman and Keith Lee for basically pumping out our numbers on IG this weekend because they got us like 112 likes. I was like, oh my god, yeah! That was a personal picture that I took off my TV. They were amazing. That's that's what got me 112 likes on IG. Of course, unbelievable. Of course, unbelievable. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Gerard. I don't mean to go ahead and go on an ego trip. You know how hard I work on this sucker. It just I was, I was like, that's what's gonna get me that. Anywho, so all right, so. Before we get into Survivor Series, I'm actually going to do this, and I'm, and I'm actually doing this on purpose, because normally I would wait for this question until the very end, but I actually want to ask this of Gerard right now. And by the way, we're joined by Gerard from Through the Table, and I will let you get your plugs in at some point during the show. In fact, you know what? Put some plugs out right now before I ask this question. Go ahead and plug your IG, anything else you want to plug, sir. So what's up, guys? Gerard here from 3T. We're on Twitter now with the th- at 3T Pod. We're on Instagram. As, as through the table and I strong style. We're on YouTube as through the table. We're also on Pro Wrestling Tees. Now this is when I get my DX stuff in. Now there you go. Black Friday's coming up. We got two T-shirts on there, up to twenty percent off of our T-shirts and forty percent off overall on most Pro Wrestling Tees things. Check it out. Buy some merch. Pay my bills. <laughs> Pay my bills. This. <laughs> You know, I knew. Uh, look, I mean, we let we let uh, our other guests, you know, hawk everything out on, on there, and so really, we do. We really, we really appreciate you you being on the show, and and we hope that uh, listeners of this show uh, check out your show, and of course, vice versa. So, here's my question: Was War Games? 
better than Survivor Series? I don't think so. And I think that that is a very common theme here that we're going to come up because I would tell you that most people in most events in which there's an NXT pay-per-view and a main show pay-per-view would say the NXT pay-per-view is better. So you would think that WWE is actually learning. Well, that's something definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just giving them a quick thing. Again, I would have asked that at the end, but I had to get that in there. So survivor series. Okay. Now I understand the vibe is that they wanted to get NXT over, right? And we'll get through this because I have some things to nitpick because there are some things. I thought there were some very questionable decisions booking-wise, which I could say about almost every show that they do, but particularly this show, some of the matches they decided to go with in certain spots on this pay-per-view just beyond upset me. So I will say that, and of course, the J-Man will echo this, The fact that they put the triple threat tag team match on the pre-show. And by the way, WWE, until this pay-per-view, has always said, well, the actual pre-show doesn't count towards the numbers. But in this one, they added two matches to pat their numbers. They put the triple threat tag team match on the pre-show. Yeah, the guy who won the title at WrestleMania this year. That's, thank you. (laughs) Okay, now, now. I don't want this to be a tangent because I'm pretty sure I'm on the minority side of this. Um, I am glad to see Kofi Kingston not in the main event anymore, but I get that this probably should not have been on the pre-show. Yeah, I, I think they did a shit job promoting these pre-show matches, first of all. They did no build for the Cruiserweight title match. Um... The tag team match, I don't, I don't even remember the three teams even looking at each other the entire build-up to Survivor Series. I think they might have wrestled. I think Undisputed might have wrestled New Day at some point. On, I'm trying to even remember on a SmackDown. Well, I think they did a bad job. I don't even remember. I didn't, I didn't even know the pre-show started when that Battle Royal happened either. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, that match was happening. I was like... Oh, so this is the start of the pay-per-view. No, it was still on the pre-show. <laughs> Not to mention, I was kind of pissed that Dolphin and Rude won over Street Profits. I think they've they've kind of fumbled the snap with them. Yeah, Ross has been Ross has been trying to convince me of the fact that Private Party is more over than the Street Profits they are. are. Right now. He, I've come to the conclusion that he's actually correct, and as much as it okay. upsets me to okay. talk okay. about. Oh, and I love I love Private Party. They're local boys for us. Okay, Private Party had one victory over the Young Bucks. They are more over than the guys that were showing up in Backstage of Raw for months. They're basically the same gimmick. Yeah. Fair? Unfortunately. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think their gimmicks are totally similar. I, I see the parallels a little bit. I think they've done a better job showcasing Private Party. That's they, my they point. They them over as that underdog team. I mean, the Street Profits, they're not really an underdog team. So, like, you're, they really haven't done a, a good job of getting them over other than they fought the OC. I, I, think that, I don't think that's the only Russell twice on Raw at all. And, and it's funny because for what they're doing with them, the laggards they're doing with them, the guys are over to an extent, especially Montez Ford. So they're, they're doing them a disservice by not even put, investing in them because both of those guys, 
have charisma at the ass, pretty much. Yeah. They could both go, and it's like, ugh. They had a three, I'm high on both of them, but. They had a three-month head start, and Private Party beat the Young Bucks in one match, and I already care about them more. That's all. I think that I think private parties is better workers overall. I mean, I've been watching them since like since they started on the indie. So we definitely here at Three T got a bias towards private party. We're gonna we're gonna side with private party in most debates or discussions about who's better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. They've done a better job, and oh. and with less because those guys didn't have NXT to come in to get build up. These guys were signed right off the indies and. Boom, they beat the Bucks and they're overnight sensations. It's amazing how that works. You have teams win on shows and they get over, which apparently is an anomaly or something that's like inconceivable to people. Oh, let's have them win on TV or on pay-per-views and maybe they'll get over. <laughs> Don't let me launch about Umberto Carrillo right now. I am furious about what they're doing with him because now he's getting the Cedric Alexander treatment. That's another tangent that I'm not going down. It upsets me, okay? Well, it's okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm so quiet over here because I'm still pissed off at the fact that Kofi Kingston was on the pre-show <laughs> <laughs> a month and a half after losing in eight seconds to Brock Lesnar. Like, I'm still, I'm still legitimately upset about that. But, hey, what am I going to do, right? I guess I got to move on. You know what makes me even more mad? The fact that I'm looking at the picture of the five-on-five-on-five women's Survivor Series match and the person who's right there smack dab in the middle was Rhea Ripley. Everybody else is surrounding Rhea Ripley, and she's just like right there, and I'm like... Speaking of Rhea Ripley, because uh, that was the big Survivor Series match that opened the show. Mm. It was Team NXT, Team Raw, and Team SmackDown. Now, okay, I have to point this out, Gerard, because I want to make sure I'm not in the minority. If you were going to hold off for weeks, weeks of not announcing the NXT Survivor Series teams, why would you not wait until right before the match to reveal the teams? Why would you announce it on Twitter hours before the pay-per-view? Why? I agree 100%. And if you were going to announce it ahead of time, why not promote it saying we're going to announce it on backstage on this week? Perfect. Or, you know what I mean? Right. And then you plug that show in and you get a little extra rating kit because people are going to want to know who the hell is on Team NXT. I agree 100%. I didn't even know the team was picked until... I think someone told me Shawn Michaels said it on Twitter um, or on the pre-show. Uh, I wasn't Triple really paying attention. If to I'm not show. mistaken, Triple H went ahead and um, asked Rhea Ripley to announce it um, in the backstage Facebook live Facebook Q and A that they were doing with Kath- with Kathy Kelly. Because you know how um, oh, okay. Triple H and Kathy Kelly do their Facebook Q and A after uh, post takeover. Yeah. yeah, so they had Rhea Ripley on, and then Triple H asked her, "Who's your team?" And then she was like. I've got so much respect for oh my gosh, and for, B- for Bianca Bella. They're warriors. We went to war with them. All right, so, whatever. Enough it's of your crappy, horrible accent. Crappy now, Australian okay. Accent. Now, here's something else, right? So I get Rhea Ripley having to kind of makeshift a team because half of her team either got hurt or turned on them in the match, right? So obviously yeah. she's going to pick Candice, and she's kind of got to pick and choose because you know all the NXT Women's Division is heels. That's that's the unfortunate part. For the life of me, I do not understand why Tommaso Ciampa didn't just pick all the guys he won with the night before other than Kevin Owens and then make the fifth person the surprise. Why was Dominic Dijakovic not on his team at Survivor Series? Why? I got something even worse than that, than Dijakovic not being on. Why the hell was Damian Priest on? Right! He took the fan in the, in the number one contenders match. 
what they should have done is had the winners of some of War Games pay per view matches. No, should have been Balor. It should have been the the four guys he won with. Mm-hmm. There you go. By the way, I'd like that's, to go that's ahead. That's what it should have been. Uh, Gerard, just ha. Ross, you picked Damian Priest to beat Pete Dunne? Okay. You're out of your mind. Okay, time out, time out. <laughs> the reason I picked Damian Priest is, first of all, they've had him get the better of Pete Dunne in this feud for a lot of it. Mm. Adam Cole was going to be cheered no matter what. NXT was going to be babyfaces. You might as well pick one of the actual genuine heels in NXT to get a main show match. He's probably going to have a good match against Adam Cole, which, by the way, I was perfectly fine with Pete Dunne wrestling him. I love Pete Dunn, I'm probably the biggest Pete Dunn that is speaking on this conversation. All I said was, if you're going to have Adam Cole play babyface in that match, you might as well have him go up against one of the biggest heels in that brand. Am I wrong? I, I mean, I'm, I think, I just really think Damian Priest is garbage, but that's just my perspective. I feel like I'm just saying. I feel like Baron Corbin light. Oh, no. You did not disrespect Baron Corbin. Hold on, hold on. So you know how we always talk about the Applebee's manager? Gerard is the king of calling Baron Corbin the Applebee's manager. no. Gerard, don't talk smack about Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin is absolute gold. I'm putting Baron Corbin over. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Okay. I thought you were about to talk trash about Baron Corbin. Okay. My mistake, I jumped the gun. I love the two for 20. I love the two for 20. Oh, that's horrible. I knew I should right? have I love walked the two that for, I love that two for 20 deal. <sighs> I, that's what I'm saying. He's like, he's like, Damian Priest just reminds me of Baron Corbin light. It's like, so he's like the diet soda Baron Corbin. You know what the wow. funny thing is? Ross and I were doing our preview show last week, and I said, Damian Priest reminds me of NXT Baron Corbin, except the fact that Baron Corbin's more athletic. Yeah. That's His so funny. His looks like the lone wolf, too. It do, it does. That's that's the kind of the comparison. And he's got the long hair. He's got the long hair, and honestly, I think but punishment. True. Yeah, he is. I think punishment Martinez is a much better name than Damian. Oh, Bruce. it absolutely is. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah, know why the I'm, hell they changed I that. I think he was garbage. That was just, I'm, that's just my thing. I was not, he hasn't really done anything. Even when he was in Ring of Honor, he never really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. But, I, I kind of would have rather if you're gonna have the big Q, I would have liked to see Adam Cole versus Killian Dane personally over over priest because at least at least killing dan has some recognition from the main roster true true. even though sanity was fumbled so at least he got something there yeah no, i do love the pete dunn match though yeah no the pete dunn match was fire the the good thing is that killian dane and adam cole also have very good chemistry because if you go back to the north american title ladder match at nxt new orleans back last year i mean killian dane was also in that match and he was him and um Lars Sullivan were absolutely amazing in that yes, match. Yes, they were. Um, so, of course, you'd be able to go ahead and get some chemistry. Let's talk about real chemistry, though, real quick. And I, 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 Ross is going to be ecstatic that I'm bringing this up. Gerard, I would love to get your thoughts on the best wrestler on the planet, AJ Styles, versus the king of the backbreaker, Roderick Strong, versus the king of strong style, Shinsuke Nakamura. I legitimately was shocked. Flabbergasted. I said on this show, Gerard, I said on this show, this company does not have the balls to put Roderick Strong over. And what happens? Roderick Strong wins the match! I couldn't believe it. Vince was listening. Vince was listening to that one. He's like, all right, I'm going to show him. Hey, this is not the first time Vince McMahon has listened to this podcast because there's some things that we've seen on WWE television over the past five months that we're like, we've said this. 
Okay. Oh, no. That's a same old thing on my podcast, by the way. We, me and my co-host, Rice Krispie, we talk, and then we're like, holy shit, let's do this and use what we just said on that. So, thoughts on the strong Nakamura-AJ match? I fucking love that match. I'm a big Nakamura fan, a big AJ fan. AJ is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, so is Shinsuke. Shinsuke is the reason why I got into New Japan in the first place, so automatically is a bias. Roderick Strong is a very good ring technician. I think he kind of gets thrown behind the other undisputed member errors because he's kind of the fall guy for them. Yeah, definitely. But he's incredible in the, with the right scenarios and the right guys. Him and Nakamura work well together because everyone knows Roddy's kind of stiff in the ring. He's a very physical style. Daniel Bryan talked about it at length, about his physic- how he's physical he gets. So that match worked well. AJ looked a little off to me. I, I think he's kind of banged up. I'm feeling he's banged up. Mm. He didn't move. He didn't move with that. You know, like that. The fluidity, that touch that he moves with. Yeah, he didn't really flow right to me. Mm-hmm. I think Nakamura. Nakamura looked amazing. This is probably the best Nakamura's looked in like a year and a half. Oh, I agree, hundred percent on that assessment. He's kind of like Orton to me, where you know when they don't really give a shit about what they're doing because they kind of show it in the ring. It was his problem in New Japan, also when he wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. He showed that he wasn't really into it. <laughs> I agree. But he was into this. I think. I think he. Introducing the new IC title, giving him a new aggressive fresh air, so to speak. And it really showed in this match. I was shocked that Roddy went over. I thought Nakamura was going to go over, especially after introducing the new IC title. I was absolutely floored. And by the way, um, Roderick Strong. So he he he's quietly been, and I say quietly because he was hanging around Ring of Honor and Jim Cornette absolutely loved him. I'm not trying to get into a Jim Cornette situation. I'm saying Jim Cornette has liked a few guys, like, a lot. Like, he'd probably put Roderick Strong over Brock Lesnar. That's how much he loves the guy. But uh, when you put Roderick Strong and his ability, and then you give him a purpose and direction, when he joined the Undisputed Era, I totally turned the corner and said, this guy has the capability of being as highly regarded as some of these other guys see him as, because now not only is he great in the ring, now he's got a personality. Now he's got somewhere to go because now he's got an identity. Oh, 100%. I like that he's the, the cocky heel thing works for him because he's so good in the ring. He's very fluid with his te- technical ability. Mm-hmm. So if you have a cocky heel who could stretch you out, it works out great. I think he's done an excellent job. I think he was the highlight of the match itself. Not just him winning. He really, they really did a good job of putting him over as, as a, an equal to Nakamura and AJ, who've been focal points. Especially Styles has been a focal point in American wrestling the last ten years. So right. that's a big showcase win for Roddy. Mm. I think that might have been the biggest win Undisputed had recently because Cole. Yeah, he fought Pete Dunne, but it wasn't like he fought a Raw or SmackDown guy for the title. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. So they, it was more of a showcase for Undisputed. That was the, They didn't win on the pre-show. So they needed a big win that wasn't Cole beating another NXT guy. That's true. So he looked great. He looked fantastic in this match. Yeah. They really picked... I, I honestly wish it would have won another 10. I agree. Fully agree. I, I think they got they got like 15 minutes, I believe. Uh, 17 is time. what they got. That's still pretty, yeah. that's a, so, still pretty good not enough. time, though. <laughs> no, not not enough, especially considering the talent of those three people. Go ahead, Russ. I'll, I'll even one-up you because it's a discussion that I want to get into. If you give that match 30 minutes, 
because NXT had to win the last match, I can argue that they didn't have the balls to have this main event. This could have been a main, this is a, could have been a main event or at least the co-main event here. If it would have been thirty, this might have been a match of the year candidate for me. I agree. And this is like when I see Nakamura motivated, and, and another cool thing about Roddy Strong and Nakamura when Ring of Honor started their partnership. Nakam- um, Roddy Strong had a series of matches with Tanahashi and Nakamura on Ring of Honor TV, and that he, that kind of got him over with the Japanese guys to the point that they said they wanted to bring him in to New Japan before he signed to WWE. Like that's all high. Tanahashi and Nakamura talked about him. So just to see them get that chance to actually work together again was fantastic for me. I I love your references, uh, Gerard. They they really are like you 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 blow me away. Like I know you're knowledgeable. But when I'm sitting across a guy like Ross, who is whose knowledge knows no bounds, it's always like an intense to me to have to, this knowledge to be around. And then when I hear it from somebody else, I'm like, it's overwhelming in a positive way. So shout out to you, bro, in all sincerity. <laughs> I'd much appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man, you. for sure. Um, Ask this guy anything about uh, from 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 ruthless aggression on. He'll list you like the most random main events and like. <laughs> This guy's knowledge of that era of WWE, like, I'll ask him a question and be like, what was the uh, what was the semi-main of Judgment Day 2006? And he'll just know it within 30 seconds. So give yourself credit, <laughs> J-Man. I appreciate You that, are man. very knowledgeable yourself. Thank so you, please man. put yourself on a pedestal over there, okay? I, I will. I'm going to stand okay. up on the pedestal with the two of you. How about oh, that? We'll, we'll go ahead and stand on the pedestal. There you we'll go. all have gold medals. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and Rice Krispie, too. Shout out to your boy, Rice Krispie. Yes, I wish course. we would have been Shout on with us tonight. Yeah, for sure. So that match was incredible. And by the way, this isn't the first time we've seen Roddy Strong go ahead and get put over like a million bucks in a triple threat match this year. Obviously, his triple threat at uh, uh, NXT uh, Toronto was it? The, yeah, the Toronto. Yeah, it happened at Toronto. It was Roddy versus Dunn versus Dream, and Strong was to me the one that looked like a million bucks in that triple threat. And it was nice to see him finally get the victory in this one, especially when the other two competitors are. How do I put this? They're not bigger than he is in in, in his, well AJ Styles is for sure, but like you know Shinsuke Nakamura might be regarded as a more of a stronger player in the field than Roddy than Roddy is. So it was really nice to go ahead and see Roddy get a little not a little bit of a rub. He got a major rub. He got Huge. a deep shoulder rub massage in the back streets of like Koreatown in LA or something like that. <laughs> That's a little bizarre, but all right. Okay, now. I made the reference that Rhea Ripley better be getting like a huge push out of this whole weekend. If absolute, no, okay. If this week on NXT, Roderick Strong drops the North American title, you're I, losing my mind. I quit NXT forever <laughs> and I pledge my undying loyalty to it's AEW all Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> even though, even though that show's been better week in and week out for most of the time they've been on, in my opinion, if they do that to Roderick Strong after he beats the be best wrestler trash. on the planet, AJ Styles, in my opinion, and Shinsuke Nakamura, I will be hateful, I'd like be, rage-inducing. I don't think you'll be the only one. Trust me on that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I'd rather see him do something. I'd rather see him do something down the line here if you want to plant seeds to our undisputed breakup. Yeah. You know, yeah, you beat Pete Dunne, who wrestled last night. I beat... AJ Styles and Nakamura. Why should you be the leader? Roderick Strong versus Adam Cole for the NXT title. Take my money now. 
Hey, yeah. the, well, remember, it was during the springtime earlier this year that the seeds were being planted between Roddy and Cole that they were going to break up. It was a weak link. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a, I, I named it my segment of the week once, and it was absolutely amazing. So it's been very interesting to have them come together as strong as they are now. It'll be very interesting down the road, especially considering Pete Dunn lost to Adam Cole clean on Sunday. Sure did. That, I mean... I know Adam Cole was going to win. I wanted Adam Cole to win. but I And I picked Pete Dunne to win the triple threat on Saturday. But I was very shocked to see him lose clean on a last shot to, to, to Adam Cole. Like, that was that was a little bit hard for me to swallow. What about you, Gerard? I, I liked it. I mean, I, I figured Cole was going to win. I think everybody kind of figured that would happen. Yeah. My take on it, though, I, I would have rather seen them do an open challenge, like have Adam Cole call out the main roster and say, I'm putting my title on the line against anybody. I just wrestled in war games, and I'll, I'll challenge any of you guys with no knowledge ahead of time who, you, who I'm wrestling. That I think that would have done it more, more things. You could have put this Pete Dunn thing in that triple threat and saved it, give it ha- make it a number one contenders match, and then let's build it on NXT TV for a couple of weeks. Or, or you Whether know what you, you could have done? So, sorry to interrupt you, Gerard. I think because I, I just wanted to say, I think that maybe that triple threat, the winner of that triple threat could have been on Team NXT at at Survivor Series the next night. I think that oh, actually that, probably would have been smarter. Been, yeah, and then obviously Pete Dunne's one of the focal points of NXT in totality overall, most NXT brands. So yeah. that would have made a whole lot more sense. And then you could have had Cole get a big win over a main roster guy. And there was a couple main roster guys who weren't on the card, even in the five-on-five. Because there was big enough names for him to really work with there, also. That's true. I could have, I would have paid money to see Adam Cole and Buddy Murphy. I'd have paid big Something money like to see that. that match. Cesaro. Oh, that's not even fair. I'm still upset at yeah. the fact that all these years Cesaro's been sitting there, and they choose, they actively choose to do nothing with the man. It just, it just upsets me to the point where it's not even worth talking about most of the time because it just upsets me too much. And there's nothing we can do about it no. either. That's the worst no. part. <laughs> okay, now, what I'm about to say is going to be very disrespectful to the two men, but for for time's sake, is there anything you want to mention other than the fact that now we have to suffer through every Fiend match with red light? <laughs> it could have been worse. It could have been blue light this time. That's they good. could have set, set the mood for that match with some blue light. I actually think red light is worse. Like, I thought the red light for Hell in a Cell was overkill because the cage was red, too. Yeah. But I was like, okay, it's a one-time thing. They're getting... No, this is this is literally Sin Cara, but it's worse. It's red light every match. And I think it kind of works for... I understand why they're doing it because it's supposed to feel like he's in his own world. To be, if you're there live, that's got to be like a shitty view. Because yeah. I've been to shows where just the, the the regular life that they have that on top of the ring. Well, Gerard, were you, you. were you at WrestleMania this year? Did you go? No, but I had a couple friends who went. Yeah, and some of them had a direct view. I was like, did they? Did, did I said I went on SummerSlam. I, I got went to it was okay. Brock Taker in the main event. Mm-hmm. That one we were blinded for half the show. Okay, well, because the reason I mentioned that is because is because I know you watch WrestleMania. Everybody talked about that big yellow light that was in the way of everybody who was watching Randy versus AJ, and so it's yeah. it's kind of a similar situation. Except now 
20,000 people instead of like 5,000 people are basically having the match ruined because of this stupid light. It makes no sense. Yeah, and, and I, I get the whole character aspect of it, but it's one thing that you're, you know, you mentioned it. They're not really accentuating that fact that, okay, the, why are the things red? I mean, it's only if you heard a promo, I think one of the segments, they kind of got mentioned that, oh, it's in his own world. You know, they kind of did the whole, like, raw screen was going upside down and all that. Yeah. Before he came out. Other than that, there was, they really haven't accentuated that fact. And, uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't play off well when you're not telling the audience why it's red. It's like you're both of us filling the holes yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't really work long term because it's like, the, his lights are red, but we're supposed to, I don't know. It's just one of those, it didn't come off well. And I think that match went too long, too. I think that should have been a squash. I think we should have just annihilated him. Because if you're building up the scene to be this super human being, or extraordinary, whatever you want to call it, monster, yeah. Daniel Bryan, who's not Daniel Bryan right now, that they've already established the fact that he's building himself up, you should have just annihilated him. Like, Bryan should have never gotten no offense in. It should have been maybe a little bit, and then he goes for that, the yes knee or whatever he calls it, the A-plus knee or the B-plus knee. I don't know if he still calls it that. But I thought he was just he calling it the running knee, but yeah, that, I, I, A-plus knee actually sounds pretty good. Mandy Rose yeah, should call so hers he the A-plus knee. He should have started calling the mandible call like two minutes into it, right when he went for that knee. Then it should have been a wrap from there to me. I think this should have been a two, three-minute squash. It didn't, do, it didn't really help the Fiend get over anymore because he's already over to to a point where he's like, the most over over male talent on the roster, arguably overall too. Yeah, no, so I mean Ross and I have had the discussion. Match? Right, Ross and I have had this discussion that besides Chris Jericho, we think that the most over thing in wrestling right now is probably the Fiend. Yeah, the Fiend, I, the Fiend's definitely top thirty for me right now. Jericho is another one. Third will be what, um, Naito is in New Japan, but Naito's not at that level of. That he doesn't have that that yeah. buzz around him like he did two years ago. Mm-hmm. So the Fiend's the most over thing in wrestling by far. I think yeah. it's a wide margin right now too. Wait, more over than Chris Jericho though. You think so? I would say, I would say yes because mm-hmm. I think that the Fiend's over to the point that network executives rather have him over Brock Lesnar on Ooh, Fox. That's it's bold. That's bold. That's, it's true. That's so when when that happened, I'm like, yeah, there. This is gonna be like, it's gonna go far with this because it's not going to be a short-term thing and he's not going to be over for a short time because remember the whole point with Fox was when they were talking about the rosters being separated was Brock's going to be on there and he's going to be the big the big draw on Fox because they want the MMA style guy mm. but then the team comes comes and all of a sudden they had they literally had to make up a trade angle that Brock quit the the brand as champion so that's why I was like, this is going to go far. That's why I expected a squad. I didn't expect a 10-minute back and forth for the most part. I don't know if you guys expected it to be longer or shorter than it did, though. I expected on this pay-per-view with two Survivor Series matches and everything else they were doing, I expected this to be a short match. I mean, if you if you look at this entire card, the only match that was shorter And yes, I am not including the two pre-show matches because they shouldn't have even been on the card anyway. They just did it to pat numbers so that NXT would win by two over SmackDown. Anyway, sorry, tangent. But 
the only match that went shorter was the Brock Lesnar match, which, by the way, I'm totally fine with the Brock Lesnar match being one of the shortest matches on the card. Oh, I was way more entertained by the Brock Lesnar match than the Fiend match, to be honest. I, agree. I got more of a pop out of that one. Okay. Okay. We're talking to Gerard from Through the Table. He joins us here on the Double Turn podcast. This may not actually, I know this isn't a hot take, but I'm just going to say it. I thought the men's five-on-five-on-five match was the best match of the show. Now, I understand that people were very upset that Walter was eliminated first and they did all that fanfare and they're like, oh, Walter's on Team NXT? And then he was the first person to go. Let's put that aside because universally, I think the only person that thought that was maybe a good decision was Vince. So... (laughs) Let's just put that aside. I understand that people were not happy about Walter being eliminated. Unless unless you're about to surprise me and say that you were actually okay with that. Um, I wasn't okay with it. I mean, someone has to eat that pin. I probably would have had Damian Priest get annihilated by McIntyre. Overall, I mean, the only people who really looked weak NXT weekend was the, the UK champion and the UK women's champion. They really didn't sure do anything to make them look anything better than the fourth champion on the shows right okay wwe overall yeah so i said this to the j-man as we were making our predictions and i remember you sitting there and you had you had your pick written down i know you did yeah i did and i laid out the entire men's five on five survivor series match and i looked jorge in the eye and i said roman reigns is winning the match and team smackdown's getting a win and no more than 30 seconds later he's like yeah, SmackDown's winning. <laughs> so, so should I be surprised that Roman Reigns is, uh, I mean, honestly, now, I realize that this is probably an assumption on my part, okay? Because wins don't always matter. I have to believe coming from this pay-per-view, Roman Reigns is getting another pretty massive push soon. Am I? Am I crazy? Not at all. Not at all. You're not. You, you're not, not crazy. All, yeah. You're not crazy in any shape or form. I would not be surprised whatsoever if we see Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. That better not time. happen. I'm, I don't know if it'll ta- if it'll happen. I would not be surprised if it did. That is a horrible idea. As a Roman Reigns fan, that is a horrible idea. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that because you know how much I love Roman Reigns too, I, Gerard. I know that you got a lot of love over there for Roman too. I, I don't think that. Listen, I love Roman. I would love to see him back in the world title scene soon. Not against the Fiend. I actually, and I know something has been rumored. I, I didn't. I don't know if I posted it because I wasn't really too sure on I it. I think you may have. Was, yeah, I might have posted that they're planning on a big push for him going forward. It's been almost two years since he was out with the leukemia. And it, he hasn't it's really been a little been a bit over point. a year, yeah. It's been a little over a year. So he's not really been a vocal point. Someone has to beat the Fiend eventually, mm-hmm. right? And Roman might be the only one I think I really want to see. On SmackDown's current roster, how it's laid out so far, beating beating the Fiend, because outside of that, like, who else is really there? I mean, as baby faces, to really go against the Fiend. You already beat Brian. I just have a bad feeling that if you put Roman Reigns against the Fiend... They're going to boo Roman Reigns, and that's not what they want. Well, they booed him at the end. Okay, now, in fairness, if there was ever going to be a night where Roman Reigns was going to get booed out of the building, it was on Sunday, and that did not happen. He got booed halfway I, out I of the building. I think he kind of got it. I think fans have gotten I think at least a portion of the audience has gotten past the whole we're booing him because we're not getting our way stance. 
Five years, by the way. Five years they were booing Roman Reigns. Five years. They're finally over it. Yeah, and and, and that kind of hate, as long as, Seth Roll- as long as they keep pushing Seth Rollins the way they are and he keeps acting like a dick on Twitter, Roman be all right. <laughs> I knew that's, you would bring that up because you and I got into it over the Will Ospreay comments a couple of months back, bro. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm not going to bring it up tonight, though. I'm not, I'm not going to do you a <laughs> solid. I'm, I'm going to do Ross a solid, too. I'm not going to bring it up because I brought it up when Kenny was on a few weeks back. I'm not going to bring I it up I don't need more Seth Apologist tour going on on this show <laughs> because it already happens enough. I already have to hear it weekly, Gerard. <laughs> weekly. <laughs> Seth Rollins is the greatest thing ever. I back him on everything on Twitter. Didn't say that. I've never said that Seth Rollins is the greatest thing ever. He, he calls him. He calls him Sethy Poo. I do all call the him time. Because he's my guy, though. <laughs> Seth. Hey, if Seth needs backup, okay? If you, if we got people like you, Ross, and we got people like Gerard backing up Will Ospreay and backing up Kenny Omega, and then we got other people like. I don't know. The entire Raw roster turning his back on who else has him besides Becky Lynch. I gotta have my boy. All right. So, so here's 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 another point I want to make. Okay. I understand, and we'll get to Keith Lee in a second because I was surprised he was the last NXT guy as well. After I got 111 likes on Instagram, I was not surprised. Okay. So now we had a discussion with Kenny from a Kenny for Your Thoughts about Braun Strowman and how he's not really pushed or he's pushed at a certain level to where he's a guy that no matter what position they put him in they don't need to put a belt on him because he will do whatever's asked and most of the time he will play his role and be fine I feel like that is where Drew McIntyre is and it upsets me because they've done this to him in this company multiple times when last I checked, every other company Drew McIntyre's worked for, that he, he he just he he can be over as a guy, whether you put him as a top guy, and I understand that he was a tag champion. I just really think that there are better things than just saying, Well, you know, Ross, Drew McIntyre looked really strong in this match, but we're really not gonna do anything with him. Am I fair? To say that Drew McIntyre is pushed at a certain level and they know they're going to get a good match out of him and they don't need to actually push him with belts? It's cr- it's crap. I, I, I love Drew McIntyre. I think the whole Braun Strowman thing, I think there's more. I think that's more backstage why Braun never really reached that pinnacle. And I don't, I don't think he will reach where he should have reached. That's just a hot take on my behalf. I, I don't think he's going to get to the level where he should be. McIntyre, though, doesn't have that reputation backstage. You know, fantastic worker. I mean, your whole point got proved on Raw again um, this past Monday. Oh, yes, it did. With the Randy Orton Great stuff. match. The Randy Orton chop. Freaking amazing little sequence there. Probably the, I think I didn't know that Drew McIntyre had his bionic kendo sticks for arms. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> yes, That's Gerard. Like yes. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're building a company and you look at someone like McIntyre, wow. what's wrong with him that he's not a world champion? I okay, mean, so so that's my thing. Okay, so first of all, because I've been a huge Drew McIntyre fan since his chosen one gimmick with with Vince with Vince and the IC title and even the Teddy Long stuff. I don't care. I still loved it because I loved him as a performer. You look at how he amazing. You look at how he changed his body. He got in better shape. He showed up on Impact and was a big player. And by the way, can can 
can the WWE actually take a page from how certain guys in Impact were booked and please book them correctly? I am sick of them booking Bobby Lashley the way they do. He can be a world champion. That's another tangent for another day. We're on Drew. I don't understand how you don't look at that guy and go, that's our world champion. I'm happy with it. The guy can cut a promo. The guy's got intimidating music. He walks to the ring and can legitimately kick anybody's ass in that entire co- I would buy him beating Brock Lesnar in uh, a squash. I, would I don't even care. Yeah, you read my mind. I heard that. Did you hear that, Ross? Go ahead, Gerard. I'm sorry. Go I was ahead, yelling. Say it one I apologize. more time, Gerard. I, like you mentioned, Lesnar, McIntyre looks like they could have him beat the Fiend. The guy's like, yes, Henry Cable esque looking, like ripped up like Superman. Like, there's no point that he can't be a top guy. And you never hear backstage stuff. Like, with Braun, you hear him that he forgets his spots and he got a little sloppy with Brock at the Royal Rumble a couple years back mm-hmm. and those kind of things. I've never heard one bad interview or one bad news bit about McIntyre ever. I, I, Everything you're saying, I'm 100% with you. With, uh, Drew McIntyre beating The Fiend, take my money immediately. I would yeah. love it. I would probably be screaming at Jorge for a week about how it's like the greatest thing ever. Please, yeah. please have this happen. Drew, 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 exactly. Drew, Drew. I got to ask you Seth, uh, both a question. What the hell was that with Ricochet? What was that? They what, made. No, 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 no. Not the jumpsuit. Just the, <laughs> the gimp suit. Somebody said, I'm pretty sure Bleacher Report said, oh, he's got the Batwoman suit on. I was like, For, what? Okay. We're completely changing his sex on him. But no, what I found hilarious was they squashed Ricochet. Completely squashed Ricochet at Survivor Series. Ricochet, to me, and it's, um, he kind of falls in the line with, Umberto Calillo and um, Cedric Alexander. Ricochet got a little more over than they did because, I mean, they had these guys pin AJ and they didn't get over two out of the three. Ricochet, I think his problem is he's kind of bland on the mic. Like, the, like we're both, he talks about being a superhero, but it's true. What's really like superhero about him? He's kind of a vanilla character to me. What, what was that's that? What I, that's what the whole um, thing that's kind of hurt him. Yeah. What Even was before the- WWE, the whole. What? No, I was just gonna say, what was that promo that him that him and that he cut with Drew McIntyre? That it's like and I McIntyre may, told him to shut up. Yeah, he was like, I may be the new guy around here. Well, then shut up. It was, he just like, and then he just shut up. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it completely defeats everything that I'm saying about Ricochet. But I do see your point with what you're saying, which is really unfortunate. And he got that criticism. His whole the whole critique about him and Little Osprey back in the day when they had that match at Best of Super Juniors, the Power Ranger match was these guys are flippy guys who can't tell stories and they, you know they can't talk in the mic and he he's can't he hasn't been able to show that he's the guy other than the dude who does crazy moves in the ring and he I'm not saying he's a bad storyteller in the ring promo wise I think he's just another guy and if you take away the his athleticism what's there so what you're saying is that ricochet needs to pull a hurricane and go talk to the rock and have The Rock call him the Hamburglar, and maybe he'll get some personality. I mean, I would have probably, if, you, if you're going to give him a, talk about him like a superhero, give him a superhero gimmick. Play it up, play it up, over-accentuate it like you play the fiend as this evil monster thing. Have Ricochet be a superhero type of character. And at least at least you have the, him over with the children enough that you can justify putting him in these big spots. I mean, I love Ricochet. I, I, would, I think I see him more right now as a tag team guy. 
I think he'll maybe I would have had him team up with Ali. Okay, now we're talking. <laughs> you keep, keep yeah. talking. Keep talking. Jorge went from disgusted to immediately interested when you said that. Hey, let me. Hey, Mustafa Ali and Ricochet, dude. Listen, Gerard, did you like? I got to be really careful because Ross is going to go ahead and probably blow a gasket when I say this. But did you like the Money in the Bank ladder match earlier this year? I didn't mind it. I mean, I, I always like I like the the car crash type of ladder matches. I think if you're gonna have a ladder match, you might as well make it a car crash on top of that. I agree. So, uh, Mustafa Ali and Ricochet went to town in that match. So when you say that him and Ali should be working together as a tag team, this brings genuine tears of joy to my face. I need you to understand. Yeah, they're this. fantastic. They like, are. Think about it. Ali actually can talk. He has a very good story behind him, He's like an actual real life story that no. makes him over, you know, makes him a commendable babyface. And they're accentuating that now. Look at their ring gear. They kind of have a similar ring gear set up. Yeah, what is it? The li- aren't they the light. flight and the light? Wasn't that, that what they right were? There, boom. Yeah. Put that calling. on a t shirt. I know, right? I'd buy it. That's, I- money, right? That's a money name right there. Yeah. And, and think about it. They're all great tag teams. They don't really need promos on top of that. They're two guys who are hella athletic and can actually work and have great high spots and can have creative offensive movesets will be fantastic in WWE. And I think that's something that both tag team divisions kind of lack. You know, if you notice how they build a tag team, it's like one big guy, one small guy. Most of the time now, other than like heavy machinery to an extent. Yeah, and Ziggler and Rude are actually the same size, mind you. But I do agree with you 100% on that. I mean, if you can't get if Ricochet can't get over as a babyface of the top tier babyface, I mean they literally teased him and Brock earlier in the year. Yeah, which was which would be a fantastic match, but like it, you're not going to be able to work with Brock. So if your only thing you can do is do a lot of high spots because yeah. you're going to need to have a build up story if you're going to have a five minute match. You're absolutely correct on that. So that's my problem. That's my problem with Ricochet, and I think that's fixable. I think you put him in a tag team scenario with another exciting performer. Him and Ali would, would steal the show. Like, imagine Ali and Ricochet versus the Revival. Mm-hmm. Come on now, like yeah, stuff but... like that. Instant bangers, left and right. And I and I know people got mad at him getting bumped off, kind of unceremoniously at Survivor Series. I was actually more mad about Walter than I was Ricochet because Walter, at least, he, I think he's undefeated, and then he got pinned unceremoniously. I don't know if I would have even put him in the match. I kind of would have had him do something else, maybe. Maybe have him defend on the pre-show, honestly. And then have him ruin it. But they don't really care about NXT UK at all, anyway. You could have had Walter and Braun Strowman switch spots with Braun Strowman getting Claymore out of nowhere and pinned and Walter getting Claymore on the floor and being counted out. And I think people still would have been upset, but at least it wouldn't have been he got pinned in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Without doing anything, really. And and guess what? When the match started, Walter was the most over guy in the match. Which is amazing. Yeah. I I told Ross this, Gerard, that I thought that it probably, even though it would have been a really crappy way to, like, write them off, but at least none of them get pinned, just have Walter and Strowman, like, fight it out and both get counted out. And all of a sudden, like... Or him and McIntyre. Or him and McIntyre, yeah. Just well, save them you both. Take over, you got to take over Blackpool, have McIntyre challenge him for the UK title. Whoa. That would be yeah. massive. That would be massive. Or, or you could have had freaking Cesaro versus Walter on the pre-show and would have made a lot of people happy on the pre-show. 
True story. Oh, actually, that royal. Yeah, it's true. It actually kind of gives you a lot of like heftiness. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Shout out to you, Ross. Ah, uh, Braun Strowman. You know Love it. him. All right, um, so I'm I'm gonna let you two briefly talk about the WWE title match in which I had absolutely zero interest in a near 45-year-old losing to Brock Lesnar. The J-Man loves Rey Mysterio. I get the vibe that you love Rey Mysterio. I don't ever need to see him anywhere near a world title ever again. And quite frankly, I think it's dumb that he's the U.S. champion right now. But if it means AJ gets pushed to a world title fix, that's fine. If it means Rey Mysterio drops the title, I am not a Rey Mysterio fan. Please tell me why this match was good other than the, well, Rey Mysterio and his son hit him with a pipe and had to double team him and still couldn't beat him. At least Brock Lesnar did exactly what I said he was going to do. Hit 1F5 and end the match. Thank God. All right, please tell me. Please sell me on Rey Mysterio being anywhere near a world title. I'll back up from the mic now. All right, Gerard, I'll let you take this one because I've been trying this for for literally almost two years, and he doesn't listen to a damn word I say. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Um, My favorite part of this match, I like the Eddie callback with the bait, baiting him into a, a, a an attack here with Brock. You know, where they did a low blow spot where Dominic and Ray alternated punching him in the dick. <laughs> You know, that's Brock's kryptonite is getting punched in the dick. That's a good point. Kind of like how you beat Brock. So, I mean, I like the whole angle. I I like the build-up. I think they had to do this match, whether it was going to be a main match of Survivor Series or not, because clearly they don't want the Brock Brock and the Fiend to be near each other right now. And you don't want Adam Cole getting F5'd and Yowie Wowie to death either. That's a good point. And then Seth Rollins isn't going to sniff the world title for like the next seven months. We'll see about that. I kind of got a weird, weird feeling about him coming back and winning his belt before Mania. But um, I love Ray. Ray's one of my favorites, all-time favorites. I, I'm really, I really like him. Let me. I add- think this angle is more towards building towards Dominic's debut <laughs> there we go. eventually, no, which is that's where that's where I think it's leading. Mm. So him, his father losing, and then it's funny mentioning the U.S. title. That I know you mentioned that he won it on Raw. When me and Lois Christie were recording our Survivor Series review, he asked me the question, what do you see Ray doing? This was about an hour or so before Raw aired. I'm like, oh, I can see him getting in with the OC because Dominic getting bullied by the OC makes sense, and maybe he'll win the U.S. title. Ray win the U.S. title then. Not even like an hour later, the guy has the U.S. title. I was just like, oh. So, so, so you basically you, you, you screwed over Ross's dreams of... Ray Mysterio not sniffing another title and then yeah, gave him Vince's the title. Yeah, probe in the back of my head went off and he just read that storyline and just took it. Okay, you mentioned something and I actually want to challenge both of you on this okay. because it was a stigma for his world title run. Mm. Every time I see Ray Mysterio in a big spot, Eddie Guerrero's involved. Yep, I'm sorry, and, it and, gets old. It does. He's, it's kind of one of those things like he's connected with him no matter what. You know, and, and I think it's smart to add that realism to it. Um, it worked for me. I don't, I don't think this program would have been um, had any justice going further than this. And I know some people kind of thought Ray was going to win. I, I don't want to see Ray in that picture right now. I love Ray, but I don't think he needs the world. He doesn't need a world title run to solidify anything in his career. So for him, him was this, having this match, and I think this is I don't I know it's the world title. And it's stupid to build the world title around, build um, guys up via the world title to not include in it, especially guys who have never wrestled before. But I, I just feel this is another step with Dominic 
eventually debuting maybe WrestleMania this year in April. And I think that's what this is whole for is to build towards him debuting. Fair point. Now, can I just ask you really quickly? Did you were you impressed with Dominic? I know obviously he had two spots, but I mean doing a six one nine with your dad at a big four pay per view and then hitting a frog splash better than he does, that's not easy to do. Am I right? He got, he has some bungees on him too. Like he right? has some hops jumping. He's got that. some Montez Ford Montez Ford legs on him, man. Like, it wasn't like he has like he was wearing wrestling boots or anything. It was just straight up sneakers. Yeah, and, and jeans. Um, yeah. More impressive to me, other than not the frog splash. Him getting the the way he stole those German suplexes was fantastic. I mean, mm. for someone who has only been training, I think six or so months. I think I don't know how far back he's been training. But to be put in there with Brock Lesnar and be like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna German suplex you on your head. And, yeah, you know, it's, you got you got to you got to sell it like he's murdering you because you're a kid. You were portraying you as a as a kid, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that was that was more impressive with him selling the German suplex. The frog splash was fantastic. But, I mean, at least he didn't bust his ass going through the middle rope for the 619. It could have been like, he could have slipped right over it. That could have been really, really bad. And for him to go ahead and be able to pull it off as good as his dad did, that was what was so really, like, to me was so impressive. So, I, I agree. It'll be really interesting to see the booking of Dominic over the next few months here. Um, at, at I was talking with Ross last night. We were both flabbergasted at the fact that the U.S. title now resides on the shoulders of Rey Mysterio. And I love Rey Mysterio, but hello, Humberto Carrillo, hello. Umberto freaking Carrillo. I, I think we'll be seeing a heel Carrillo. I would love to see him put with um, Vega, Selena Vega. I think she would be wonderful. Oh, dude, time. I've been saying this for months. Ross knows this. I need a like a Latino group headed by Andrade with Rey Mysterio as his second in command, and you put in the Lucha House Party and Umberto Carrillo and uh, Zelina Vega, and I'll be a happy camper. I know it was something that was rumored uh, before um, the Lucha Bros signed with All Elite mm-hmm. that they wanted to bring them in and do that kind of stable, but I guess they realized like the Lucha House Party's not on that level with what? the Lucha Bros, so they were like, eh, I don't know how I don't know how that's gonna work, but I, I'm all for anything that gives Andrade a big push and Carrillo's very he's promising. I know he's really young too, but from what I've seen with him. I mean, AJ Styles can make anybody look good, to be fair. I mean, he can make one of us three look like we, we know what we're doing in the ring. Fair. Fair. Umberto Carrillo is the man. Shout out to Ross for putting me on Umberto Carrillo. I will always thank you for that. All right. So we have Gerard from Through the Table joining us here on the Double Turn Podcast. I'm about to, uh, I'm about to say something controversial. Of course you are. But I have to say it. Becky Lynch. Needs to never main event a pay-per-view ever again. Ooh, that's a hot, hot take. Now, I will defend it with this, okay? Now, you please, please, please correct me if I'm wrong. Becky Lynch has main evented three pay-per-views? Yeah, three pay-per-views this year. That's correct. It's the triple threat at WrestleMania that I found underwhelming and should not have main evented WrestleMania. Even though it was hype, that's fine. And say what you want about the finish. To me, that should not have main evented WrestleMania. Uh, let's see. There was the tag team. There was, wait, was the mixed tag the main event of that show with, uh, yeah, I made the extreme rules. Okay. And then this match, if you're telling me the best of those three matches was the extreme rules match, 
I don't need to see her in a main event again. And by the way, I'm glad Shayna Baszler won. I'm upset that they didn't have the the actual guts to have her tap out Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch just got her heat back and stood tall at the end of the night, even though her brand won one match and it was on the pre-show. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on board with you for the most part. I mean, I, I don't think she should have made an event. I think, for one, they did a piss-poor job building up Shayna Baszler to the audience. Which is unfortunate because she's awesome. So, like, they, they did a disservice to her because... As you guys know, you guys watch NXT. She has a certain style match. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Unless you're really invested in what she's doing, the match can kind of play a little bit boring to like people who might not know who she is. Yeah. Right? I think the Mia and- Yim match probably plays in exactly into your argument, whereas opposed if you watch the match with Io Shirai at NXT 25, that's the match that you're like, ah, that's the Shayna Baszler I love. Yeah, so it's one of those things like, she she has a certain taste to her that like they bear you know what they should have done if you're gonna build her up and she's supposed to be in the main event of Survivor Series I don't think it should have been invented I think the five on five men's or women should have been invented personally but um one I got three points on this one if you're gonna build her up they should have did a video package for Ronda Rousey like a training thing a training sparring session one of these weeks building up like yeah I'm, I'm gonna get revenge for her beating you at WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, build it, build her up and make that connection to an already over person on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right? And then secondly, um, Bailey's flat as a heel. She's not gotten over as a heel as she should have. And I think that has to do with how weak the Raw, not the Raw, I mean the SmackDown Women's Division looks. You know, there's a lot of unproven people on that roster and they're not going to pull the trigger on Sasha Bailey feud yet. Three... If you're going to have it, I mean, if you made a vent in it, you already gave the fans a false expectation that Ronda Rousey showing up. I mean, I felt for real. I was like, yeah, she's definitely going up at the end of this. And then especially after Becky Lynch is getting her heat back and putting a whooping on Shayna Baszler, I expected Ronda's music to come out right when she stepped on the table. So you gave the fans a false hope that something was going to happen. So, like, automatically people are going to be like, yeah, Ronda Rousey didn't show up, so this match is not up to par. So you had a flat heel. Um, unestablished, you know, semi-established person. It wasn't like Shayna Baszler has been showcased much on Raw or SmackDown in this build-up as compared to, like, Rhea Ripley and the women of NXT or Adam Cole. You know, it wasn't like Shayna Baszler went and beat Becky Lynch one-on-one or beat Charlotte one-on-one and then, you know, went to a draw with Becky building up. So you had two flat angles and then you had a false expectation that something was going to happen that they had no attention on doing. That was my issue. I thought if you take away all that and you put this in the middle of the card, I think it'll get to better reception. So that's why I'm saying if if you were gonna have NXT <laughs> win the last match of the show, maybe they should come out and celebrate that they won. I liked the idea earlier of, and I get it. It would be kind of unheard of <laughs> to put the mid card belts as the main event of the show, but if you give Strong, Nakamura, and AJ 30 minutes and you main event the show and you put Shayna, Bailey, and Becky in the middle of the show, I may think of this pay-per-view differently. Or if you just put the men's thing and you do the whole Roman Keith Lee thing, I think that gets a big reception and Roman still gets that reception at the end of the show. Does he, though? And then you, and then you don't kill... I think he does. Okay. And I, I, I think, as long as to me, I think the fans weren't hating Roman. They were hating the idea of Roman as a main event, as the top guy, because they had their own 
false things of thinking who should be the top guy or should there be only one top guy. I think if you would have had that whole same five-on-five match and Keith Lee and Roman tore it up like they did, which, by the way, Keith Lee is not really built heavy on NXT, and he got over in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, that spirit bomb on Montez Ford really helped out on Friday, that's for sure. I'm going to say... I'm going to say something here, and perhaps this is an unfair comparison. I thought that crowd was as over for Keith Lee at the end of that match as the fans were when Roman Reigns almost won the Royal Rumble and lost to Batista. Fair? 100% agree. That was very close. And and it's even more impressive because Roman had that whole shield built up. Keith Lee, that's a guy from NXT who's a fantastic worker, and He's kind of been not on a focal point on NXT for the most part. I know he's usually undisputed in the tag team stuff and in the North American title picture. So for all intents and purposes, he's a mid-card guy on NXT, right? Well, other than his feud, uh, what did what did he and Dijakovic have two or three matches? Three. They had three matches? Mm-hmm. So by the end of that yeah. third match, I said, I've turned the corner on Keith Lee. Yes, you did. But it took all that buildup and that feud and those matches to get me to the point where I was surprised Ciampa wasn't the last guy for Team NXT and it was Keith Lee. That absolutely shocked me. I kind of, to me, I kind of, I I thought Ciampa was the red herring on this thing. Out of all the guys on the NXT team, I kind of figured it would be Lee. Because Riddle kind of gets that backstage rep of being a dick. So, like, with the Goldberg thing. So, I I knew he wasn't going to be there. Chiampa definitely didn't need it because Chiampa's over in his own right. My thing is, and that's when Chiampa got the victory on Saturday too. Yeah, so like he didn't. He got a clean victory on Cole. He didn't need it. I think when you when you want to build up someone else on the thing, you built up Keith Lee, who's not someone who's been completely focused on. That that was probably one of the smartest booking decisions they made on the entire weekend because. You built a star overnight, essentially. I kind of think he'll be the one to beat Cole for the title. Wow, Whoa. that's okay. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think Goldie's coming home. <laughs> okay. Damn. Okay. Now I will tell you that over the past week and maybe even the past few days, Vince has turned the corner on Keith Lee, and maybe it was that performance or recently, but I mean. Vince, as far as I know, doesn't have as big of a reach in NXT as people may think. I mean, that's still Triple H's show, but you'd think maybe he has some influence and there maybe you're right. I don't know if I don't know if two months ago that statement would have held water of Keith Lee being a main event guy. But maybe you're right and maybe maybe they've totally turned the corner on him. You know what really Yeah, and I, I heard rumblings of him getting a big push on TV, on NXT TV. TV. I think they're, he's a unique talent. Like, there's not many big guys who can move like that, especially in, in this day and era where the big guys are kind of a dead thing in wrestling now. That's true. Him and uh, Eric from the Viking Raiders are like exceptional. Mr. 305. Mr. 305 <laughs> Live. And, and, oh, my yeah. God. You're so right. Because of it, Dominic, I'm going to butcher. That's what I call him. I'll butcher his last name because that's horrible. Dajakovic, yeah. he's another one who moves well, you know, there's not many really big guys. If you look at all the major promotions, how many guys look like Keith Lee and can move like Keith Lee? Or how many guys, big guys are actually around? I mean, for two, three years, Braun Strowman was only giant on either either of the WWE rosters. He's still kind of, I think he's definitely the biggest guy on 
either three of the rosters. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I don't see anybody being bigger than he is. Yeah, and when you and then on top of that, they're not going to not push him on NXT when they have him pin Rollins clean, and then he goes within a, a hair of beating Roman Reigns, and then mm-hmm. Roman puts him over at the end. Yeah. Okay. So now like, there, there's something in the works for him. I have to say this because the 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 reaction that some people gave of this was not favorable. Were you okay with the Keith Lee Roman Reigns fist bump at the end of the match? A hundred percent. I I'm actually with a hundred percent behind Roman getting this win. Also, I think he's needed it. He's kind of been faltering a little bit. He's been treading water on SmackDown ever since he's returned. He's been treading water overall. They kind of not really invested in him for obvious reasons. You know, health reasons. They weren't sure his condition and how to affect him. So they need. He needed that. Keith Lee needed that. I don't think it's the same if Ciampa's that last guy standing. I don't think that I don't think that moment is as big because Ciampa's a main man on NXT already. You know, that's already established that he's a main man. He's main evented what, four or five takeovers now? I mean he's At daddy. Least. Yeah, he's daddy. <laughs> yeah, so like he didn't need that. He didn't need to get put over by Roman for the audience to know who he is or to approve of him. So if you look at NXT's audience Keith Lee's over a little bit, you know, like they're getting behind him. But you you give him a stamp, oh, he beat Rollins. He beat Roman. He almost beat Roman. And and when you really think about it, you should have, we all should have expected this. Look at all the big brawls. Who had the big high spot in all those brawls? Keith Lee had the power bomb on Matez Ford. I think on Raw, he did the moonsault or the, the yeah. Tope Cohilo off the top. Yeah. Like, I, I know a lot of people are surprised, but if hindsight you go back, he's kind of been the guy that's been teasing being the, the, the difference maker on NXT, on Team NXT. Oh, you're right. He was, you know, pulling off some details. Those are details to look at right there <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. So where do you where do you put this pay-per-view in the realm of, you know, where does this stack up against the other pay-per-views this year for WWE? I think it was in right now it's in the better half of it. I think there's been more better matches on other pay-per-views. I think there's kind of some weird errors that, to me, hampered it. I think the whole Candice El and Io Shirai coming back for the same real. Oh, that bit. was bizarre. They just left because yeah, of injury, and then they came out at the end. That was that was that was horrible, in my opinion. That was yeah, like, oh, they're I, not I, really I hurt. hurt. It hurt Rhea Ripley more than what people are actually talking about because. And it seems both to be the baby face, and they're coming from beneath, right? Right. And then they win because two people came back. Sasha Banks didn't need the rub to get put over at that rate, like it is to protect her. And I think that kind of hurt. I think obviously match placement. We've we've all kind of agreed about the Becky Lynch match. Some sort of opinion on the Becky Lynch main event. I think stuff like that, timing stuff, like there's little things that kind of hurt this pay per view. But it's, I think overall, match quality-wise, it was very good. I think there's been more important pay-per-views and better pay-per-views so far this year. Okay. But it was up there. I I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't, like, fall asleep in, like, the fifth hour or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Now, I, I will say this, Gerard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on two points that you just stated. One, you said that you didn't believe that Sasha needed that rub. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, bro, because she 
absolutely needed it, especially considering the fact that she got housed by Becky twice in a row when she came back. So to me, I really think that she needed it because if you have her come back as this massive heel, and then you, Becky, Becky made her look like nothing, essentially. So like she definitely needed to go ahead and kind of be built back up a little bit. So that was kind of nice that she lost, but because she lost because Rhea Ripley had help. And then two, Ross, Becky wasn't the only person in that triple threat, was she now? How are you putting this all on Becky Lynch? Because Shayna and Bailey were in this match too and had just as much to do with this match being trash as she did. Okay, hold on. I put it more on Bailey, to be honest, if it was up to me. Okay. I actually think that Bailey really needed the win out of all three of them because I agree with you. Her heel run has been non-existent. So that's I think she really needed this win. Okay, um, but yeah, let, go ahead. Ross. Let me let me jump in and and defend my stance about Becky Lynch not needing to be in main events anymore, and and the fact that she there are other I'm people not in the saying match. she needs to be in it, but I'm just you okay. are making it seem like it's. Okay, I'm sorry. If I'm to believe, and this company treats her as like this, this, this once in a lifetime generational talent, you cannot be main eventing matches that suck. But I'm sorry. There's two other people. It doesn't matter. You should be able to okay. pull it out as as Fine. this as this transcendent talent. R- Ross, let me ask you a question, sir. And I'll, and 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 Gerard, you're more than welcome to chime in on this because I know that you're going to probably agree with this statement. Who is currently the best women's wrestler on the planet today? Charlotte Flair. Would you agree with that, sir? Uh, Charlotte Flair and Tessa Blanchard on okay. my top two. And that's my number 2 that, is Tessa that's Blanchard. Number two. And by the way, Shayna Baszler's number Shayna three. Baszler's number 3 for yeah. me. So, I, I, Oh, you have Shayna Baszler's three. Okay. I do. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm flip-flopping between her and Becky at three and four. But I have a point to this. Why is it that you are continuously nitpicking on Becky when the best women's wrestler on the planet was also involved in the main event at WrestleMania 35? Because Becky Lynch is treated like, I don't know, <laughs> when you put her up and call her, oh, uh, by the way, Gerard, these are not my words. These are the WWE and her fans. When you basically tell me you want her at the same level as Stone Cold Steve Austin, kiss my ass. I haven't said that, and I'm a bag, I'm a fan of Becky Lynch. You know that. I'm sorry. Becky Lynch is not that character. She's never been that character. Right. She's never going to be the best unless she's in a company that, a, that doesn't yeah, involve Charlotte and Tessa. I'm sorry, that, Gerard. That go ahead. That hurt her more than what people are let on. I, I, think, I think comparing people to wrestlers to people of the past kind of hurts. The current crop of guys. I, I agree. Mean, I had someone on I Strong Style try to compare Keith Lee to Mark Henry, and I'm like, he's the first Keith Lee, and I think that's what ba- that's what they should have harped Bailey on more. Not Bailey, I mean Becky. And I think the thing with Becky is she's never known as a ring person. Like that's why she kind of got overrated to the point of like she's the best woman wrestler on the roster, but she's never been known as the 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 ring person of the four ring general. Woman, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, Sasha Banks is more of the balanced one between the two, right? Becky's more of the promo. And then you have Bailey, who's more of a... Bailey's the weakest link of them four. Mm-hmm. And then Charlotte's the best. Charlotte has the best qualities of all four, or three of them, put into one package. So Becky's great on the mic. She's great entertainment-wise. And I think that's something like... She got compared to Austin, I think, also to that aspect, because Austin was more known for segments and promos. He's a fa- he was a fantastic worker before the neck injury, 
you know, after the, after the neck injury, he kind of evolved. And I think, I think Be- Bailey got, I mean, Becky got, I hate Bailey so much. I keep, <laughs> like I'm trying not to go on a rant about Bailey. Fair. That's why. So like that. And I think that's what, I think Becky got overrated as a, a ring person, ring performer to the point that she can't live up to that hype because that's a lot of hype. It is a lot of hype. You know, there hasn't been a wrestler on the roster that's had to live up to the hype that Becky had to live up to going into WrestleMania. She was the hot, hottest thing going in wrestling, and we all kind of put her on a pedestal as a worker. But she's never been known as a, as a, a in ring worker. There was never, there was not really a, a Bailey. Uh, here once again, Bailey reference again. <laughs> a Becky match without one of the four horsewomen that's memorable. Even before she became the man, like there's not been a Becky match by herself with someone not named Sasha Bailey or Charlotte that was better than all the other women matches this year. But I still think she should be in the spot she's in because she's certainly gotten over to that point. Mm. But I think I think Bailey kind of hurt the match more because she, there was no one really to play off of for Becky. Like Becky's a good heel, a good face, and a good heel. But she needs someone to work with. I mean, they tried to put Shane in, but but by the time they started building Shane and Becky, it was already the, the go home show. I'm fine with Becky Lynch being in the upper echelon of the women's division. I am not okay with her main eventing pay per views in which it is propped up in that spot when there are clearly better things that are available to main event pay per views. That's all. Well, I think yeah, I think Survivor Series should be main event by a traditional Survivor Series match. I agree. Every time, no matter what, it's one of those things. It's like, if the Royal Rumble didn't main event the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Which, by the way, that's happened on, on yeah, actual so like, several occasions. Yeah, so like, that, that's something that bothers me a bit. Um, And I think that kind of hurt it, too. And they, they had a lot of things going against them. They had that. They had timing overall because it was a, the show ran long as hell. So you, they had timing issues. You had Shayna Baszler, who's a certain style performer, and, you know, she did store Her stuff is built off storylines more so mm-hmm. than in the ring. You know, you, the whole point of, like, Shayna versus Io Shirai had a great story behind it. Yeah. You know, that that was built up over even before Io Shirai was signed with Kyrie Zane. And then they had... um. You know, Bailey a flat heel turn because she has no baby faces to work against. Because Nikki Cross, she's decent, but I don't think she's a, a credible baby face. No, you're right. Because Bailey went ahead and turned the heel on Becky. Yeah, and then or Charlotte, I think well, either one. And then oh, was, they yeah. they took them off the show, and then they did not replace them with a credible baby face mm-hmm. to put them with. Well, this is where and the think- absence of Alexa Bliss comes in. Yeah, and I think Bliss could have possibly fit that role, but she's she's made out of um, out of glass like that fish in SpongeBob. It's true. Pretty it's, much. It's, it's hard. You for know, me she's, to see she's that. and and it's it's a, a a shitty reality to talk about her like that. I would love to see her more in a managerial role. I think she could excel in that kind of managerial role. Selena Vega, Paul Heyman type of role for her. She's great on the microphone. She would be a great babyface because she's likable. She was a good babyface on NXT before she had her heel run. Mm-hmm. But I think that's when you, you have a flat angle and you're trying to main event the, a big four pay-per-view with a flat angle, it's going to fall flat on its face like it did. 
We're here with Gerard from Through the Table. It's been a very spirited conversation when it comes to War Games and Survivor Series. We want to end uh, the uh, the segment with you. And by the way, we actually, before I ask the final question, I'm actually going to let you get in some more uh, plugs for your stuff. So go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and plug Through the Table and everything else you want to plug. First of all, I want to give a shout-out to my co-host, The Rice Crispy. We're also on Twitter at 3 Pod. We're on Instagram at Through the Table. If you want wrestling news and actual serious stuff, if you just want laughs, if you just want to see shitty memes and shitty quality memes, I'll say, go check out our iStrong style page. Almost 15,000 followers strong. We're on YouTube. We have reviews, mini episodes, and special stuff on YouTube coming up. We're also on Pro Wrestling Tees. If you want to pay me and the Rice Krispies bills, buy a t-shirt. Black Friday's coming up, and it's up to 40% off on ProWrestlingTees.com. Love it. Love dope, it. Dope, dope, Now, uh, last thing we want to end with you, uh, Gerard, is uh, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. So we simply want to ask what you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my family and friends. I'm thankful for all of our podcast friends, including you guys, for giving each other platforms to speak on pro wrestling. I'm thankful for pro wrestling, just for being pro wrestling, giving all of us shit to talk about and have fun talking about being something we're passionate about. And I want to wish you guys and your families a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, man, right back to you, my brother. Right back to you, man. And to Rice Krispie as well, man. So, again, Gerard from Through the Table, we very much appreciate you coming on and uh, spending some time with us and going over War Games and Survivor Series. Yeah, I had a blast with you guys. We'll have to do it again soon. We got to make this happen again, man. We got to work on that topic that you and I were talking about that Ross is aware of. Let, let, let's, let's figure it out for when, you're, when, we're, where, when we're ready to go ahead and come on 3T, okay? Yeah, we're looking at more towards January coming up, more because – Obviously, Rice Crispy is active duty in the Air Force, so it's kind of hard to get stuff going. But respect. We'll want, definitely want you guys on sometime, maybe January, February range. We're looking at to start getting guests on. Definitely, we had. A, I'm having a blast talking to you guys, even just off on social media, on Instagram and stuff. Thank you guys for supporting the pages. It's very appreciative, and we can't wait to have you on. Maybe we'll do something like this or a topic we talked about. We could definitely cook something up. Let's do it, man. Let's do it, and and thank and thank Rice Krispie for his service. We we genuinely, genuinely appreciate it, man. So a happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Stay stay warm out there in NYC, okay? Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Gerard. That was a riveting discussion. It was lovely. That was uh, everything and more than I could have hoped for. Gerard's a good guy. Shout you know, out to Gerard. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had Kenny from Kenny of your for a, a Kenny for your thoughts podcast. And then we just had Gerard from Through the Table. Uh, we are expanding the universe, known as the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast, and of course, uh, we're going to have more of these. Of course, coming up on the holiday season, we've got Thanksgiving here uh, this week. We've also got Christmas around the corner. I know it's going to be a crazy schedule. Coming it's the up holiday here, holiday season. I'm not. It is. Sing it. I don't. I don't need to sing again. <laughs> that was. That was the Darth Vader episode. Yes. Uh, Everybody, go listen to it, guys. Well, I mean, listen to all of our shows. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Radio Public. Yep. Breaker. Yep. Castbox. There Co- it is. Pocket Cast, the Anchor app itself. You can also check, uh, of course, the Instagram pages, the Double Turn Podcast. 
Ross the Robots 85, the one and only J-Man 19. And, uh, well, after my last escapade of not being able to live tweet the last pay-per-view, I'll just still mention my Twitter, but <laughs> I feel bad, really. <laughs> I do, because I've said I was going to live tweet and then I don't. But it's Boss uh, Ross TDT. I do uh, occasionally do that. I've, I've, I've got to get better with Twitter. I believe in you, Ross. I know. So uh, we're going to end the show this way uh, because that was our War Games and Survivor Series uh, review. Um, I will say that uh, War Games was impacted severely because the NXT uh, brand was on the Survivor Series show. So I think it affected it. I'm not saying it was a bad NXT show. It's the just not it's just not the NXT show we've been used to mm-hmm. because you've had guys double booked and all that type of stuff. And then some of the booking decisions were a little suspect on both shows. Um, I will probably look at Survivor Series in about the same realm as Gerard did, which is it's probably in the better half. I can name off the top of my head pay-per-views that were definitely better than this. Um, but I can also name off the top of my head pay-per-views that were definitely worse than this, not named Hell in a Cell. Right. So. This was better than WrestleMania. I would agree. And that includes some of the booking and some of the placement of matches, which I can almost critique every show because there are certain things that I like or certain ways I would do things that I could complain about every show, which I'm not going to. Um, so. I think we will look back on this because we are going to do a year in review show. That's a nice little tease. Oh, yeah. We'll do a year in review show in which uh, pay-per-view of the year will be one of our choices. Uh, We had a lot of fun with it last year. We're going to do it this year. It'll just be a matter of when, where, timing because the holiday season. And I know I have certain vacation. Well, Christmas lands on a Tuesday this year. Uh, Yes, it. uh, Wait. No, I thought it was on Wednesday. So, I'm sorry. Christmas Eve lands on a Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we may have to switch our schedule around or do something, but I know me, myself, work-wise, uh, I'm going to be off that whole week. Atta boy. So uh, that may be one of those instances where we end up pulling double duty one week or something. Plus, let's not forget that I'm sure there's an AEW pay-per-view in the middle of that that I'm just going to be cringing about having to do seven shows that week this is true i haven't seen anything get announced for it yet but all right i'm just glad impacts pay-per-views not till january mm-hmm. thank shout goodness out, shout out to the number one contender to the impact world title tessa, tessa blanchard, blanchard. It's good yeah, stuff. They finally good for did her. so uh, oh, she got engaged as we know uh, shout to out daga to yeah shout out to tessa mm-hmm. indeed well shout out to both of them tessa yeah, and true. daga yeah so, sure. uh which they've been an item for a while yeah uh, so let us end the show with what we are thankful for. J-Man, I will let you start. We're doing a top five. First thing I'm thankful for is uh, for pro wrestling because even though it can make me upset sometimes, it is a stress reliever. Um, it is a thing that I've been in love with for since I was like five years old. Uh, I used to wrestle with my dad and do that. Like Carlitos Colon was uh, a guy that was – huge when I was growing up so that continued to progress into The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H and John Cena and Roman Reigns and everybody that I love watching to these de- to this day and uh, I'm very thankful for the sports entertainment aspect of professional wrestling. I will also echo that as uh, I, I, I did not really uh, mention the fact that this was a slightly different version of a top five. Uh, that we were doing. I did not tease that at the beginning because I did not know how long we were going to be with Gerard. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not happy about how much editing I have to do, but (laughs) that's my fault. So um, that being said, I am also 
uh, grateful for the, well, the entertainment known as pro wrestling. Um, I've, I've been a fan for a long time. I did take a break for a while and, uh, I was slowly starting to get back into it with a lot of different things. And, uh, I had a certain individual that, uh, well, he wanted to talk wrestling with me all the time. And then, uh, he had the crazy idea of let's, let's put mics in front of us and, uh, talk about how much we love and, uh, hate this thing called the wrestling business. And I don't so, know who this guy you're talking about. To be is, able no to idea. do that, um, with the J man, uh, has been great. So just to be able to do this and just with pro wrestling, uh, is, is something I'm absolutely thankful for. All right, man. Well, the the fourth thing that I'm thankful for is my friendship with you, man, because it has led us to this point. And even if we didn't have TDT, we'd still be hella good friends and being able to go ahead and talk about pro wrestling. And you're one of the few that has actual good knowledge of this aspect. Because sometimes you go ahead and talk to people and they're, they, they get involved in too much kayfabe. And it's not... It's it's hard to be able to have a conversation with people that they just stick to kayfabe. They have to look at the logistics and just everything surrounding it. And it's always a wonderful thing to be able to have that intelligent conversation with somebody, especially when they're your friends. Beyond that, you're just a great friend. So I am very thankful for my friendship with you. So uh, not to give away my list, um, but uh, that's actually a little higher on my list. Not saying you put it too low. I'm just saying it's a little bit higher. Now I feel like a dick. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. What I was what I was going to say was that uh, I'm thankful yeah. uh, for pretty much everybody that supports this show. For sure. Uh, friends, family. Not that I'm saying that uh, friends and family separately are not important. What I'm saying is the supporters uh, of this show. Supporters uh, this, like Gerard and supporters like the podcast community that we were. Uh, absolutely. But you know what? It, it goes even deeper than that. You know, it goes back to, you know, even, even people of mine that are not even in like this forum. Yeah. I mean, I've got friends of mine that don't even really pay attention to pro wrestling that are supporting us. That's true. Um, and then we've got people that um, are in other platforms that simply, are interested in pro wrestling podcasts and they decide to check us out and then they tell other people and they tell other people. It means we're doing something right. And so a big shout out to all of the supporters of this great podcast. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to everybody that supports this podcast as well. It's so funny. I have conversations with people all the time. I tell them I'm working on a small little project. They say, what's a small project? I'm like, well, it's, it's a pro wrestling podcast. And they're like, what? You do a podcast on pro wrestling? They ask me why, and I tell them, because I can. That's why. Because I love this. Why do you love The Bachelor? Because you love The Bachelor. Well, I love pro wrestling because I love pro wrestling. And, and you know who else I'm thankful for? All the haters. So thankful for the haters. Shout out to the haters. I don't have many of those, actually. Well, we got to. Sh- <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure I do, too, because um, one thing that I am always thankful for is, and I may rail on these people all the time. And I do mean I rail on them all the time. You talk about the NXT faithful? No, I'm, I'm actually talking about the actual wrestling community of fans. Ah, yeah, the IWC? Uh, n- not even the IWC, although they are included on this. The yeah. IWC, the guys that are on Reddit all the time, the, you know, just all those people. Because you know why? Mm. Because... Everybody brings something different to the table. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, you and I have this conversation every week, Mm -hmm. right? There are certain things that you love and you'll love until the day you die as a wrestling fan. There are certain things I love that I will love until the day I die as a wrestling fan and vice versa. There are things you hate and will hate forever. Same with me. It's just the way it is. But you know what? To be able to have that conversation, to be able to have this in-depth of a talk about a scripted program and be able to have intelligent, coherent conversation even though I was yelling over parts of you or Gerard through this podcast, and I apologize. It's I'm called loud. passion. It's called passion. But just to be able to do it and to be able to have that conversation, there, there, there are other things in life that we can't have conversations about. And so I'm thankful for the fact that even though you and I may have our disagreements and our fights, we are still able to do it, and we still love this silly little thing called the pro wrestling business. And that's why I love all you fans, because everybody's got something a little bit different to bring. That's a good point. Uh, I want to go ahead and uh, say that I'm thankful, incredibly thankful to my wife and my sons, because first of all, they're the thing that makes me happiest on this planet. Um, Ross has been with me through the thick of things over the last year and a half with issues that I've had, and but also the growth and the evolution uh, that it's not only been my family, but that's been me because I have grown and evolved over the past year and a half. And he's stuck with me. He's stuck by my side. He rolls with me. Um, so, but but I'm really thankful for my boys because they're just wonderful, wonderful little humans. And I pray that they grow up falling in love with professional wrestling. And if they don't, that's fine. But more importantly, and Ross, I know, can echo this because it... it it goes right into this podcast. Thankful for my wife because without her giving me the like giving me the go ahead to be here with you every Tuesday night, we we wouldn't have TDT. We wouldn't have TDT the way that we have it assembled right now. So we always say that Ross is the creative director and I'm the executive producer. Uh, Natalie's like, how do I put this? The manager of the whole thing. <laughs> Because for like the first six months of our show, we were recording this from my living room and she was going ahead and hooking us up with dinner every Thursday night. True story. Every Thursday night. True story. She was, she, I, you know, and she was pregnant. We were recording shows late until like 11 o'clock at night and she was pregnant in our bedroom waiting for Ross to dip out. <laughs> so shout out to my wife. I Very, apologize numerous not, times. So. No, 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 no. And it's not even a bad thing. It's the Ross's freaking family and he knows this. Uh, it, but so I'm very thankful for my wife for a multitude of things, but for her being supportive of this show and her su- being supportive of our love for wanting to do this show. My number two is uh, the fact that my friends... Um, the ones that have stuck with me for all these years and have backed my continued love of uh, wanting to do some type of form of being in uh, the entertainment business, whether it comes to uh, radio or podcasting or wrestling or sports or whatever the case may be, um, that they've that they've never wavered in the belief um, that I belong here and I feel comfortable here. And that uh, no matter what I do, that I'm going to be supported. And I mentioned this before, and I will mention it again. 
Uh, Jorge and I worked at another company for another radio station in Tucson, Arizona. Radio and a TV station, yep. Yes. Uh, I was on the programming side, and uh, Jorge was on the sales side. Um, And so he was picking the brain of some people down in programming. Uh, Jim Edwards, may he rest in peace. Diamond Jim. Um, Good old Diamond Jim. Um, Actually, both of us learned a lot from him. Um, And uh, he's still... He's still very much on our minds uh, when it comes to just advice and just uh, how to not only be a better person in the uh, radio business, but also just to be a better man. And uh, he is missed. But the point of this is that uh, Jorge kept, and I, and, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, you kept bugging us. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, you always came down and wanted to have conversations about sports and about wrestling and uh the fact that you kept coming was was good and eventually i finally got my lazy ass off my chair and i said you know what this guy is passionate about the wrestling business and so am i and we already have conversations a bunch about it uh let's see if it'll translate into some good radio and we've had our rocky moments whether whether it's equipment failure or just structuring this show and getting it to where we want it to be uh, which we've got 80-plus episodes now of this show. Almost 90. We're getting up there almost on our 100th episode. I have a feeling our 100th episode is going to be in 2020. Close um, to it. Yeah, it something like that. Might be like, like the first couple of weeks of January. So we'll have to make a special thing for that. He'll he'll make me do a special intro or do it himself. But the point is that uh, sometimes we all need that swift kick in the ass. That's true. And uh, I very much appreciate uh, Jorge and anybody else that uh, gives me a swift kick in the ass when it comes to not only my life, but my career, because, well, at times I need it. And so I very much uh, appreciate that. So that is my number two. Uh, my number one is just God giving me the, the the love and passion for this business, not just for professional wrestling, but just radio as a whole and giving me some type of talent to be able to go ahead and configure my voice into a microphone, giving me some type of talent to go ahead and make an Instagram page run and have 127 followers. I'd love to have more. Love to have more. But if that means 127 people are digging what we're doing over on TDT's Instagram page, dope. If that means that people have listened to us 697 times on this podcast, dope. By the way, that is close to, if not how much people have listened to us. So shout out to the people. Um, just really thankful for just God putting me in the position that I'm in today uh, and hoping that I just continue on the trajectory that I'm trying to get to. My number one for basically every reason I said about my friends goes for my family. And uh, even though... Um, By the way, I'm also thank- very thankful for my family. Of I'd like course. To, I didn't put that in my top five. I'm a dick now. Well, no. I mean, you said your <laughs> wife and your kids, and I yeah, just no, but I'm also But my mom too, is an so. incredible supporter of this podcast. My mom likes every picture. Like, it could be trashing somebody. My mom's liking that picture because she ain't read that caption. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, um, dad's still back in Tucson. Yeah. Uh, sister's in Colorado. Uh, mom is in the Phoenix area, so I get to see her uh, with great regularity. I'm actually spending Thanksgiving with her. Excellent. So that'll be on Thursday. We're actually having steak instead of turkey because we're awesome like that. Hey, shout out to you, brother. Yeah, we'll probably watch a horrible football game that day, too. Who's playing on, th- uh, who's playing on Thanksgiving? Well, it's Bears-Lions. That should that. be a barn burner. Right. And uh, let's play? see here. You know what? That is worth investigating. However, 
Um, I'm, looking at, I will, I, I'm not a football fan anymore, guys, and look at me being interested in the sport. What I will say is that, um, again, for the same reasons of the fact that uh, they've they've known that I've wanted to be in this business uh, for a long time, and of course, they've never given up on me. They've always supported me, and uh, they're always going to be there for me. And um, I just very much appreciate it uh, with everything else that's going on in everybody's life. Uh, the fact that uh, everybody makes time uh, for their family to want them to succeed. And for those of you, and and, and I'll echo your sentiments, uh, but for those of you that take time to uh, listen to, you know, one episode, every episode, you know, one segment, every segment, we appreciate you guys. We you really guys do. Uh, in case you wanted to know, it is Bears-Lions. Mm-hmm. Uh an actual intriguing Cowboys Bills game. That should be interesting. Uh, and then uh, Saints Falcons, which is a very heated rivalry, even though the Falcons are not very good. Yeah. Uh, so, other than the Bears Lions game, I am probably pretty interested in Thanksgiving football this year, especially since my Cincinnati Bengals are still winless. The be- that's the best 0 11 team I've ever seen in my also, life. Also, I will tell you because Jorge and I, and this will be the last point I make on this show because it has been a very long show. And again, want to thank Gerard from Through the Table for joining us tonight. We'll have to have him on again and hopefully we'll be on his show uh, in the new year sure. uh, with that. Um, and that is simply that this show is, a, is just a myriad of things when it comes to Jorge and I's. Um, talking all the time and so i'm sure he very much appreciated the fact that uh, it's november and we are talking hot stove baseball (laughs) because even though there are things going on that are uh more at the more at my attention uh, i can always count on jorge along with some other people in my life to always want to talk professional baseball absolutely because we love it, even though the World Series just happened. So. I know, and none of, and neither of our teams made it to the World Series. If I'm not mistaken, the Dodgers lost on a heartbreaker, and then my Yankees lost on an even harder heartbreaker on my 30th birthday of all days. I know. <sighs> I know. All right, that is our Thanksgiving extravaganza, known as our War Games and Survivor Series review show. By the way, in case you were tallying, I still have a three-point lead. 99 to 96 after that whole event. You know who I blame? For? We ended up tied. You know who I blame for this? I I, I, I blame Bailey. Uh, and then I, bra- I blame Shayna Baszler. The, the screw over of a lifetime. I blame the fact that I was too smart for my own good and picked Damian Priest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still... <laughs> Shout out, to, shout out to Gerard for just calling it like it is. Damian Priest is trash. I- I, hilarious to me. I, I wish I had the guts to have been. I wish I had the guts because I, I remember sitting here going, Damian Priest is winning. I wish I had the guts to tell you Roger Strong's winning. I would have looked like a genius, but I didn't. I just said they didn't have the guts to do it, and I didn't think they'd do it. I'm still floored that Roger Strong won that match. <laughs> floored. Oh, man. So I have a 99 to 96 lead going into TLC. You've got some work to do, buddy. You're going to need me to like fall on my ass for TLC. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need another Oscar-level pick. You know what's going to happen? Yeah. Somehow Eric Rowan's going to be involved. He's going to be the number one contender to the Universal title. And somehow somehow Eric <laughs> oh, Rowan's going to falter all of my plans and like reveal that it was like a dog in his cage. 
Well, I mean, it's small enough to be a dog. That's true. That, that's how we're finishing TDT tonight. We are. So, <laughs> this has been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast <laughs> with the J-Man. I'm Boss Ross. So, we will catch you on the flip side. A very happy Thanksgiving, everybody.